0: One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana The host asked me if I had a nickname Said my friends call me the dirtbag king She said on the air I started giggling Hasn't had me back but now I've got this podcast Welcome to my podcast Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. My name's Charles Ellsworth, and you're listening to A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. If you're not familiar with me, that's all right. You're definitely not the only one. I'm a songwriter first, musician second, somewhere down the line filmmaker. Pretty much, I just like to tell stories. Some people have called me a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, and I'm definitely semi-professional at everything I do. Nothing single-handedly makes me a living, but it all adds up to getting by. Hey everyone! Thanks for tuning in to a Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. I'm here with my friend Sean Ramos, and uh, Sean, you want to tell the listeners, our fellow Dirtbags, a little about yourself?
1: Sure. Uh, I am a musician first. Uh, I've been drumming for almost 30 years now, uh, probably about 27 years, I think. Okay. Uh, so from there, uh, you can round picked up. up yeah (laughs) picked up basically every other instrument that i could get my hands on cool uh drums bass guitar accordion trumpet anything else that was lying around or someone was like hey i don't use this anymore uh nice so from there got really into uh songwriting around the time i graduated from high school. but at that time, I was writing mostly metal. Nice. So, uh, yeah, it's a different world than I like ever do now.
0: Yeah. So, what <laughs> are you what are you more focused on now, or like non twenty twenty COVID now, like before COVID? What what were you doing
1: mainly before the world shut down? Yeah, I was working as a sound designer and a sound engineer. Okay. For uh, like for for theater stuff, basically. mainly
0: theater, yeah. yeah. And um, just for anyone listening uh, that might not know exactly what what does like a sound designer do?
1: A sound designer in theater is the person who makes sure that the show sounds the way that it's supposed to. So, like, they're in charge of they're in charge of making sure that all the mics are at the barest level, uh, making sure that the mics don't ring Uh or in like feedback all the time because typically you'll have like 20 20 different actors like all on stage at the same time. And especially in musical theater, it's really hard to make it sound good with that many like different voices. So you're in charge of making sure that every single person is EQ'd specifically and make sure the room is EQ'd specifically. Yeah, And then on top of that is where you actually get into the creative side. So, like, basically sound effects, uh, working with the musicians, the music director, uh, actually getting a lot more into, basically, it's like you're a recording engineer Mm -hmm. that is never going to have to record. Okay. So, it's just like an ongoing session.
0: Totally. Okay, that's an Um, interesting way to think about it. Yeah. Cool. Um. Well, thanks for sitting down with me today. This is the totally. second episode of this podcast that's been recorded in person. <laughs> so Sean's an, not like my neighbor in Brooklyn, not really my neighbor, lives on pretty much the other side of Brooklyn. But we go back, you know, and I, he was like, we should report, record this in my apartment. And I was like, that sounds pleasant. <laughs> I'm having a cup of coffee, some delicious coffee. Thank you, Sean. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh it's very rare to actually be able to talk to someone in person now yeah so it's it's very nice
0: yeah it's definitely definitely a something i i took for granted yep. as, as being such a shut in <laughs> most of my life or being so antisocial. Mm-hmm. you know like you never know how much you appreciate something till it's gone yep so but i want to take it all the way back to um you're originally from texas yes and tell you grew up in houston Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about family life growing up what you know what how many siblings do you have
1: so i have one sibling i have one sister who currently still lives in houston Mm -hmm. uh, with her family Uh, growing up there i was surrounded by basically a family of musicians cool Uh, my dad's a trumpet player my mom played flute Uh, her mom was a singer and like a mariachi oh cool and like did like tejano stuff like both of my mom's brothers are professional drummers uh and then like my dad's dad was a professional drummer until his arthritis got bad enough really uh, which is actually how i ended up playing drums uh oh really he couldn't hold the sticks anymore so he was like this drum set's useless and it's actually that one right there
0: oh cool so (laughs) thanks grandpa
1: yeah it's a beautiful like late sixties Rogers. Oh, cool. Kid. And, uh, That's yeah, really it's, rad. A, it's like a shitty way to like start something, but from... yeah,
0: but it's, I mean, it's really cool <laughs> that his drumming in a way like lives on through you. Not, mm-hmm. you know, not like to sound super corny, but, I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, like it, it, it's really interesting that he's um, that his passion turned into yours in a way. Mm-hmm. And it, that legacy carries on and it, kind of blows my mind something i think about a lot is like i didn't know any professional musicians or artists growing up like mm-hmm. um it just wasn't a part of my world at all and um and so i think that's where a lot of resistance f- that i've seen as far as a like deciding to become a full-time musician or a full-time mm-hmm. artist resistance from like not just like my family cuz they've always been supportive but also like what are you but how are you going to make money right you know what i mean and it's a uh, uh that it's, like, an interesting thing that I never grew up around it. So, like, your your experience was completely opposite where everyone – and, like, I grew up in a f- musical family. We took mm-hmm. piano lessons and stuff like that, but it was, like, yeah, but you got to have a job. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. So, from the get-go, you were just, like, this is a thing that I could do for a paycheck.
1: Yeah, like, it always seemed like it would be pretty far-fetched still. Uh-huh. Uh, just because, like, growing up, uh, one of my uncles, uh, when I was a kid, he lived in L.A., Okay. So he was like off, like being a session drummer in LA and then like playing with uh, big, big artists at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like he, like he actually auditioned to play with Carlos Santana. Oh, cool. And like got all the way up until the last round of auditions. And then like when it was up to Carlos, he was like, You're a great drummer, but I don't know you. Oh, really? And. Apparently he's a super spiritual person. So uh, like if he doesn't like vibe with someone and know it, yeah, then like that's it. Like
0: <laughs> I had I once had a drummer tell me that about one of my guitarists like I don't know, I just don't like vibe <laughs> with him on stage and I was like I just I chalked it up as just caddy <laughs> bullshit. I mean, I've I've
1: definitely <laughs> been in bands like that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was just like, dude, you just don't like the dude mm-hmm. for no real reason. So all you're saying is like I don't vibe with him. Right. It's like, I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm not paying you to vibe with him. I'm paying <laughs> you to like, get on stage and play, not to sound like a complete, player instrument. <laughs> but yeah, like, come on, dude, this is a cool gig. Mm-hmm. Um, But, <laughs> and yeah, if you don't like it, quit instead of like, being like caddy and being like, he's got to go. Like that's, yeah. uh, anyways, long, let's take it back to, Um, that's really interesting. You're, you're, Um, I say that all the time. I'm trying to cut back on it.
1: It's really interesting. <laughs> uh, Yeah. But like, so, that was like one of the professional like musicians that I knew, and then uh, my mom's other brother was, I, I guess he was based in Texas at okay. the time, but like he was on the road like ninety percent of the year. Oh wow! Uh, he was playing with a like a huge Tejano band called La Mafia. Oh wow! And like in the early '90s, they were like touring with Selena. That's dope. Shit. Like like he's played at the Astrodome, like <laughs> just really all this stuff. And then uh. Yeah, eventually they both just got tired of the road life and that's when like I started to actually like see them more often. Okay. And then kind of started to realize like, oh, these are real people too. Like that's totally. something that is attainable. Yeah, for and, sure. Like, from the time I was old enough to like stand and like hold a toy guitar, I knew I wanted to play music. Cool. So that's really that's really
0: cool that you had that just like as a as a fun fundamental part of like your upbringing
1: it's definitely something I've taken for granted uh until like I'm talking about it yeah (laughs) and I'm like oh you didn't grow up that way
0: (laughs) yeah no totally I um like I said my family was supportive and like I took piano lessons but like uh it was yeah musician wasn't like a like you couldn't have that job where mm-hmm. I came from. It's like, Oh, you could teach, teach music at a high school or you could teach music lessons, but like right. m- moms and grandmas teach music lessons. not. Yep.
1: Or you're a band director. Totally.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so, um, that's great that you knew that that was a possibility. And so when you started playing drums, how old are you about? I was eight. You were eight. Oh, okay.
1: Eight years old. Uh, it used to be a lot easier to remember how long I'd been playing. Yeah. Uh, But like, but then you get old and math is hard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Precisely.
0: (laughs) I I get it. I've been feeling that way lately, a
1: little bit. Like I think I'm 34 now. Like, that's that's what I've been telling people. Yeah. At least so. Yeah. Pretty sure. Like 27 years. Okay. Yeah. 27 years of drumming sounds right. That sounds good
0: to me. Um, (laughs) so then immediately did you like jump right into lessons did grandpa start showing you some stuff what what did that look like
1: everything i learned on drums was basically self taught okay uh, cool just from wanting to play uh-huh. bad enough and just having like i guess n- a natural sense of rhythm yeah like before the drums like the real drums were part of my life i would just bang on pots and pans and tupperware with like chopsticks totally uh which, like, not sure why we had so many chopsticks around. Yeah, it's as really a kid, interesting. But, like, in like in Texas. No,
0: yeah, well, we, <laughs> we didn't have that in Arizona.
1: <laughs> but, like, my mom sold Tupperware, so there was an abundance of mm-hmm. that. Oh, okay. So, just, like, nice, nice different sizes, different tones. Yeah. <laughs>
0: they get you a different, different sound. Um, yeah.
1: It's like this one's kind of like a conga. This one's more like bongo. Like,
0: that's uh, a. <laughs> um. Yeah, so if you've got any Tupperware lying around and a bored kid, yeah, get them to start paying attention to the different sounds that each one makes when you hit it with a chopstick.
1: Exactly. <laughs> wooden uh, spoon could also work, but the weight distribution is just all. Wooden lot.
0: spoons are weird for air drumming. Even I've tried before. Um, but the okay, so so you started self-taught. Did you ever take lessons or anything like that? Um, like what? So this is eight <laughs> years old how what does it look like between then and when when you start your first band
1: uh between first band I joined when I was twelve or thirteen okay uh so there was a those four years between where at the time I was listening to a lot of like alt rock uh-huh so like a lot of smashing pumpkins, a lot of bush mm-hmm. uh like some nirvana and stuff, so just like alt rock grunge. It was the 90s. Yeah. So that's what I was into. And before that, I was really into R&B. Okay. Like, as a younger child, (laughs) like, I was, like, huge into R&B. So it's, like, these real simple rhythms that, like, I'd heard so much of. Like, you had the slow jams with, like, the R&B stuff, and then you had just, like, the good, like, four on the floor and, like, uh, just, like, a good kind of, like, heavy rock beat. Uh Uh-huh that was like real prevalent in that stuff. So I just like critically listened a little bit and was able to figure out the coordination and uh like I this sounds really cocky, but I don't remember a time playing drums where I wasn't some like somewhat good at it.
0: Oh cool. That's really that's <laughs> really cool. I'm uh cuz I'm the opposite. Mm-hmm. I, uh, my coordination is just backwards. Um, <laughs> I, I took, um, let's see, I took <clears throat> piano lessons until about fourth or fifth grade and then I joined like the school band as a drummer. Mm-hmm. So just playing like learning on snare and stuff like that. Nice. And like early on, the band director, like if I had miss would miss a day because it was like early morning before school, mm-hmm. he'd be like, oh, your leader's gone. Like, cause the band, like the drum section would be like, <laughs> Falling apart because I understood (laughs) rhythm because of piano, yeah. Um, And so just like simply put two hands like and a snare drum, Mm -hmm. I could do that. But then I never like had anyone teach me how to connect it all with hands and feet on like a kit or Mm -hmm. anything like that. And so like I can hold down a beat or whatnot, but it's just like it's I don't know that coordination just has never been there and never been able to develop. Hmm. So yeah. That's really See, like, cool i could, just had it.
1: Like, I could play drums like it's, like, breathing, but, like, playing with both hands on a piano and having them do independent things is, like, near impossible for me. That's crazy. Like, I can, like, mash chords out. Yeah. And, like, if I'm playing a really simple, like, if I'm playing, like, a fifth chord or, like, a five chord uh-huh. with the left hand, then maybe I can play a little melody line. Totally. With the right, but, like. I'm not able to transfer what I know about drums, or any other instrument, to that. So,
0: that's a really interesting. My, my brain one. is backwards. Yeah, that <laughs> apparently. it sounds like it, it sounds really <laughs> sounds just like a different approach to to things. <laughs> um, so, what was your first band?
1: First band was called Punk Kids okay. with a Z. Did uh, you
0: make the Kids for Cars commercials?
1: I wish. <laughs> You'd have Would some have had money that, at that least. That mailbox money. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say. It
0: must be. It's really annoying, but those kids are probably loaded right now.
1: Right. Yeah, it was a. It was a punk band. Um, at the time, I don't think I had ever listened to punk rock. Oh, okay. So, uh, like my best friend at the time, whose name was also Sean, okay. uh, like it was his idea to start the band, and I was like, I play drums yeah and like i'd never played with a band before yeah and uh like i still remember the first practice we ever had was in the bass player's uh living room uh-huh um that was like a couple miles away from where we lived and uh it was awful like it was yeah. real bad uh like, yeah we I mean 12 years old <laughs> like i think we were trying to like write songs and stuff and yeah there was just like no real communication <laughs> happening yeah for sure and uh yeah, and like I said, like all I'd ever played before was like like the like regular 4/4 rock beats. uh uh-huh. Eventually the bass player was like, "No, you got to cut that. Like cut that in half." Yeah. Like the bass player was like really into ska. Uh-huh. So like he'd already been like branching out and listening to like stuff nearing the punk genre. Yeah. And then the the guitar player, Sean, he was uh he was already listening to, like, pop punk and stuff at least. okay. So, like, that was my introduction into that world a little bit. And, yeah. Like, by the second practice, we kind of had some stuff down. Okay. Uh, and then uh, quickly changed the name from Punk Kids to Kids pop. Casual Salad. Casual Salad, okay. Uh, that, that was a bass player's choice. Uh, the other two of us hated it. Yeah. So we were like, yeah, we're going to change that uh and like how long did this band stay together do you guys play many shows what was it in that iteration we never played a single show okay uh let's uh (laughs) how about a band that you played shows with well like the after that like when it was just like the two of us Uh uh-huh just like drums guitar and like him on vocal yeah um like we changed the name to pulse rate zero pulse rate zero so that means you're dead yeah okay (laughs) so that uh that band was around for four years
0: Oh, okay, four years. Yeah,
1: but... so like we we played, like we played every day, uh, like oh. after school and stuff, and like actually got really good. Hell yeah! And by that point, we were like, we had fully like transformed into like gutter punk. Oh, damn. so it was like gutter punk, street punk stuff, and it was like it was the hard shit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, did that, and then no like, more
0: Blink One Eighty Two, none of that. No, shit. no, yeah. it, it was
1: more MXPX.
0: Oh yeah, MXPX. Right? <laughs> yeah
1: because uh yeah it was like in the christian world at the time oh yeah so I forget
0: they got they have a or had a christian bent they they kind of mm-hmm. kind of grew out of that a little bit a little bit as yeah. one does <laughs> as one should do yep um sorry any christian listeners you'll get there eventually <laughs> um everything is everything god is love folks <laughs> um <laughs> Cool. Oh, so so this is you and Sean. Yeah, Sean the the two Sean's. Yep, two Sean's. Heard, heard that a lot. Um, <laughs> Sean one and Sean two. What what happened in that band? When you guys break up or what? Um, so or and also take me back. So this is like age thirteen to like seventeen ish, twelve to sixteen. It was like
1: twelve to like 15, 16. Okay. So uh, so like sophomore year of high yeah. school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and from that point, like there was a church I was going to, and I started playing. Uh, like in their band, okay, and at like it was just this immediate transition, like from for me from like punk rock to like wanting to dress kind of like preppy, I guess. Yeah. Like I don't know what it's called these days. Like I, I don't know what's relevant. <laughs> Nothing is relevant. So, it's twenty
0: twenty masks. It's like I went from like masks and Donald Trump irrelevant. Right.
1: Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Sad existence oh it's okay Uh, we'll survive (laughs) so i went from like plaid pants and a leather jacket every day and like patches and butt flaps to khaki cargo shorts and like uh like a hurley shirt and like puka shells so other sean called you a poser he was he was actually really nice about it he was like why don't we why don't we hang out that much anymore oh yeah you were
0: like because you're a loser
1: In so many words. Uh, (laughs) So, like, we (laughs) didn't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. (laughs) So, we had, we had like a little falling out for a little bit because Uh of that. And, like, I started playing with uh, other bands that, like, musically was a lot more advanced than, like, the typical, like, punk rock stuff.
0: Totally, yeah.
1: So, like, it helped, it helped my music chops grow, like, big time. For
0: sure. What was that like transitioning into, like, because, I mean, I've never played in a worship band, I've never been. I grew up Mormon. We we mm. sang hymns. We didn't right. have bands, um, because sex. I don't I don't know why. Because fucking Mormons are lame as fuck. Uh, Stuff
1: foot loose one too many times. Yeah, like. seriously.
0: <laughs> um, they're like I mean they like to fuck because they have so many kids. but right? Like they don't like anything that has to do with fucking. It's so weird. It's um, like
1: you know if you kept doing that, but you know put something on instead. Yeah, and wear a condom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: anyways, no so. I was cuz like I just assumed that you're like this 15 16 year old kid joins this worship band and there's got to be like older like grown people playing in this band or was it all like high school <laughs> age kids.
1: So the one uh, I was joining was like uh for the youth group. So it was like also high school age kids. Oh, okay. So we were we were between like uh like 15 and 18 or so. Gotcha and uh so and
0: worship bands ha- okay so churches I don't I don't get this thing. and I get, I'm sure it's way different but yeah yeah so like youth group and like general assembly are different things yeah does youth so, group do the people from youth group go to the general assembly church or do they just have to go to youth group
1: I mean it's it's all dependent on what they want to do Okay. Uh, like it's it's okay and so the church has two bands in the evangelical circles okay you have so many different like groups that you can go to you have like the general like assembly that's like sunday mornings like your typical like this is church uh yeah. then a lot of them like for sunday morning services they have like a kids service off somewhere else okay that way like the kids can learn something a little bit more relevant to like get their, brainwashed yeah <laughs> getting like indoctrinated <laughs> with smaller words yeah uh and moses and- yeah yeah <laughs> Like, Jesus, lambs. (laughs) uh, And then, like, so the teenagers that would, like, typically go to the youth group would be part of, like, the regular service. Mm -hmm. And just kind of, like, be bored and, like, eyeballing each other because of hormones. Yeah. Uh, But then, like, but then on Wednesdays, it's usually, like, a Wednesday. Like, I don't know why Wednesday, but that's usually when the youth group would meet, like, Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights is when um, they called it mutual in uh i don't know why
0: they call it mutual but in the in the mormon church that's when like we'd have like co-ed, like oh, things wow. like where you'd hang out with the uh-huh. like boys and girls but then you'd like go off with your boys group for something uh okay i don't remember it cuz it's been so long right. and i was like <laughs> never that involved yeah yeah uh okay sorry but, to interrupt but so
1: wednesday's like youth group that's when mm-hmm. like the teenage yeah t- and like at at that time the uh like the whole like worship music style was like it was really close to like U2. Yeah. And then it grew all the like a little bit, like
0: Softcore Porn.
1: Yeah, like it like. grew a little bit more into like Muse type stuff. Oh, okay, cool. So like there was a lot of a lot of like synth pads and uh-huh. just like cool shit with like driving rhythms like 2004, 2005. Uh that was like 2002. Oh, okay. When I was doing that.
0: Gotcha. I forget you're you're like a little bit older than me.
1: Yeah. Like I graduated in 04. Okay. Uh, and then yeah. went to, I actually went to a Bible college for a semester. Oh, nice. And after that is when I realized like, this is fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I remember like being in like the mandatory chapel service yeah. in college. And like, that's just a weird thing to totally. say about my life and like looking around and like, all these people with like their eyes closed and like their hands up I was like this is so bizarre yeah and uh yeah it, it was very short after that I was like yeah this not for me like I'm too contrarian I have too many questions about this that have zero answers totally and uh well
0: not yeah not <clears throat> I'm sorry I don't want to turn your episode into like let's shit on Christianity episode <laughs> uh, sorry it just the the youth group thing's really interesting to me well like Do you have to go to all of the things to be considered, like, like, do you get judged if you don't go to all, like, Wednesday and Sunday, or is it just, like, if you just make
1: it to one, or do they, Um, are they not that judgmental? So, uh, weirdly, a lot of, a lot of times they're, like, really open with people that, like, would only go on the Wednesday, Mm -hmm. because usually that would be because, like, they're the only one out of their family that actually wants to go to a church. So, it's like they came with their friend or something. and That makes sense. So, like, it's it's one of the more surprisingly, like, Christian-like things that happen within the church. That, like, they actually want you to come back. So, they're accepting. Accommodating. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Which, like, at the time, like, that's the position I was in. Yeah. Like, I was the only person in my family that, like, wanted to do this. So, like, oh, okay, I was... cool. I was there and... Was like, your family religious at all, or were you... Like I, I grew up, or like, I was baptized Catholic when I was, okay. like, five years old. Yeah. Uh, or, I guess, as a baby. I don't know. I don't remember that. Uh, yeah. Like, I remember going to the Catholic Church when I was a child. Yeah. Like, I remember they had a really nice playground. Oh, uh, dope. And there was gravel that was surrounding one of the slides. Uh, but that's the extent... Like oh, and one of the priests looked like Michael Keaton. Oh, I thought that you were gonna say something else about one oh, of the no, priests. Oh no 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 okay. no. He he looked like Michael Keaton. Okay. And cool. he was actually like it one was Father Mike. Look, so of, of, I was like, Father is, Mike looked like is Batman. Is this Batman? Like, <laughs> Father Mike did something inappropriate to you? No no okay. no. okay uh, <laughs> sorry no. Hope, hopefully he wasn't a pedophile. Yeah. But, uh, I mean statistically, right? He could the, be. Um, Holy Mother Church. Yeah. But,
0: oh man. Okay, so that's. I was just it was just interesting did you get into um
1: youth group because of a like a girl or, or... so it was <laughs> close yeah it was because I wanted to play music on stage oh and that was your that was a way to that, that was dude, my that's outlet that's so dope that's so really... like a part of me always knew that I was like yeah. kind of like playing the church <laughs> yeah, a little totally. bit uh because like when I was in the punk band like I wanted to play it like in the like youth band that that church had Mm -hmm. and they never let me because like basically so I've I've been discriminated against for a long time for many different reasons yeah at that point it was because I was like a punk yeah like and they didn't think I could play really yeah so like they wouldn't even let me audition and like there was one time that like uh, the drummer they had like had to step out for some reason or he like couldn't make it yeah and like I got up there without any rehearsal and just like fucking nailed it as one does. And like, they still didn't give me a chance after that. So I was like, you know what? Like I'm, I don't want to be here now because of that. Like, so luckily the other church I went to later, like they gave me the chance. Okay. And uh, like that band actually functioned as a band. Okay. It wasn't just like kids playing like hymns and like worship music. Like, we actually wrote stuff. That's really cool. And, like, the stuff was very U2 centric. Yeah. Uh, but it was original music. That's,
0: no, that's, uh, there's so much to be said about that right there, making original music. Like, mm-hmm. and I love playing cover songs, and, and God bless a cover band that can just nail it.
1: Like, I love the money that comes with cover songs. Totally,
0: yeah. Um, but that's, like, I mean, for me, that's, that's the, That's the whole point Mm -hmm. is like writing songs. Yeah. Um, And everything else around it is like great. And I love it. And most of it's just extra frosting on the cake, Mm -hmm. you know, but like the cake is writing songs. Yeah. So did you have like a, it operated like a band and they were all kind of peers around the same age. It wasn't like there was some older guy that was like the band leader or like how did, what were the dynamics like in this worship band?
1: The oldest the oldest person that was in that band at the time was the drummer, and I replaced him. Oh, okay. Like he was the one who was like was your hey, grandpa like, with the it arthritis? Wasn't. No, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it was this. It was this dude named Doug who was like a okay. plumber, I think. Okay. Uh, so I he, he was like a Doug. real ass adult, He's like, like an actual
0: <laughs> person. He's like, I don't know why I'm in youth group
1: still, <laughs> uh, but I've like, got kids he, in youth group. Like, he was an excellent drummer though. Oh, exactly. uh, so like he was like he kind of vouched for me, even nice. like though he'd never heard me play at the time. Yeah. But, like, he was nice enough about it, and, like, he told them to give me a chance because he wanted to stop playing. He's
0: like, I'm a plumber. <laughs> yeah. I have a family.
1: I can't be a youth group on Wednesdays. Right. <laughs> so, So yeah, like, uh, at, after that, like, basically, like, it was just us being a self-governed body, So how which does, was, like, really cool. How do you write original, like, Jesus music? What's that like? Um, a lot of it's just mostly positive, <laughs> just like positive messages with, oh, okay, like religious themes thrown in here and there, uh, just in like foot- like you've he- you've heard footprints on
0: the sand and
1: shit like that, kind of cool. Just like a lot of it just revolves like it's the same themes like mm-hmm. uh, it's like love, I love Jesus, uh-huh. uh, Jesus so come on so me. forth. Yeah, it's 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 like the South Park episode with uh, what was it? Uh, it's where they start a oh they start the the Christian Christian boy band. Oh my god! (laughs) I think that came
0: out when I was in a band with some guys that were like, like Christian dudes that um, really talented musicians, really close friends. Mm -hmm. Um, but that came out and I was just like, "See guys, that's why we're not a Christian (laughs) rock band. Like that's why I'm not letting you guys put on our MySpace page, right?" that we're, like, Christian-leaning, because I'm, like, because that's not what I'm trying to do yeah.
1: here. <laughs> no, like, it's... Like, thematically, it's just... It's all just really trite. Mm-hmm. And, like, But you now, get these
0: massive audiences, because it's all, like, kids whose parents won't let them go to right. shows will let mm-hmm. them like, oh, it's church.
1: Yeah. You know? It's like I actually got my wrist broken at, a, like, a Christian punk show. <laughs> Really? So, like, the one, like, or not, I've had many broken bones since then, mm-hmm. but, uh, like, the, the first. one show? Yeah. Like, some, like, jackass, like, grabbed me and, like, dragged me into the pit and then, like, tripped and fell on my wrist.
0: Oh, uh, what a jerk. Yeah. Damn. That sucks. But I was, I still, never really... able,
1: I was still able to drum with the cast.
0: Wow. <laughs> I was going to say, I never even had an asshole at Warped Tour do something like that to me. Yeah. It was bizarre. I, uh. uh Okay, so so what did it look like after after that? So you you were in this band pretty much until college when you went to this Bible college or uh...
1: Yeah, so like while I was like playing in the band with the church, I was uh, playing in another band with some of the same members. Okay. Uh, and that was just like a like it was Christian leaning, but it mm-hmm. was more just like kind of a switchfoot. Like
0: yeah. Yeah. Basically
1: that <laughs> was a big influence at the time.
0: Oh, cool. Uh I know.
1: I, I again, like Switchfoot, like big, big them. on YouTube. YouTube is apparently like such a huge influence in, like the church well, scene. Well, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, you those sunglasses. That. Jesus was Irish, <laughs> right? I think so. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I read that somewhere <laughs> from so, like from like South Dublin. Yeah, hey, Jesus. That's a that's a <laughs> right. that's an Irish name, right? Just got throw, those like, weird funky I accents. And an <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, A I O. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm on one today. This is it's funny <laughs> though. Uh, so you're playing with this other band that's uh, more Christian leaning and
1: yeah. Which like this, this is another weird thing about like that part of my life and like music upbringing. Uh, in that sect of like the Christ, like the evangelical churches, mm-hmm. they had these competitions every year. For mm-hmm. like different youth groups around like the region and then around the nation. Uh-huh. Uh, they called it their fine arts festival Oh, and it was like it was actually what you would expect. It was like uh, It was a fine arts competition. Cool. And um, it's like my actual band that I was in and the worship band I was in like competed in like both those categories against each other
0: no, no, Oh, no. different and, categories. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah, would so, like, we, high there things.
1: was one category that was, like, just Christian band, uh-huh. and uh, that was the regular band that we were in, yeah. and then they had, like, the worship band categories. Okay. And that year, we won first place, like, in both categories. Damn. Like, in the Texas region. Okay. So, like, from there, we went on to, like, the national, like, championship. What were it. the names of these bands again? Uh, I mean the 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 worship band was just like the worship center, like oh, okay. youth band. Yeah. Uh but the other band, like the regular band, was called Last Hour Waiting. Last Hour Waiting. Yeah. Okay. So just like something we thought was like super like poignant and Totally. I, I used to have <laughs> made like a list think.
0: like a notebook full of band names that I couldn't get anyone to start a band with me. Like so. it's it's no Alaska and me, but Yeah, uh, Alaska and Me was not actually I didn't come up with that.
1: I've got y'all sticker on that, that case back there. Oh, dope.
0: <laughs> Alaska and me. Back on Spotify someday. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what, what kind of thing, do, what do you get when you win the, the Texas regionals?
1: So you actually, like, the prizes were scholarship money. Oh, I thought it would like
0: be a, like a record deal that like Tooth and Nail or something oh, like that. Dude,
1: that would have been sick. I know, they've had some fucking <laughs> rad bands back then. <laughs> like, especially like the like the heavy stuff. Is Me Without You Solid to, State, Tooth and Nail? They were on, uh, yeah, they used to be
0: at least. That's one of the best bands ever. I they,
1: think. like, they hold up. That brother-sister like record is, about is like it, one like of the best like records. It's so
0: good. <laughs> My roommate put it on the other day and we were just like, holy shit this record fucking slaps yeah it's so good no, yeah like
1: I, I saw them several times yeah like, I, I always saw teenager. them opening
0: for bands that they were better than yeah. like thrice mm-hmm. and brand new who I love thrice and brand new but I saw right. them op- I saw me without you open for those bands and mm-hmm. was just like yeah I think me without you is better dude like the
1: lyrics yeah. <laughs> the, the lyrics are literal like they're poetry yeah like it's and they're it's super so Jesus-y too so if like you're gonna be jesus Jesusy. That's the way to do it but he also got a lot bigger into world religions oh okay. after that like uh like I think around the time of like brother sister oh, like cool. like there's some stuff on there that's like straight up like Sufi like prayers and oh, stuff like I didn't realize got that, like man. real heavy into like Judaism and like Kabbalah and then like like dabbled into Islam and like Buddhism and like it all comes from the same place it's yeah. like all like I mean I'm not an expert but it's
0: just like mm-hmm. like it just based on how human culture evolves mm-hmm. throughout like my understanding of the past few hundred years it's like well all those came from the same region very similar stories about like yep. it's like why are y'all fighting each other like yeah. what are you doing why don't you just like look around and be like oh we kind of
1: we kind of it's all kind of the same shit
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway sorry every, everybody wants, here, everybody gonna, just wants to be right I'm going to save the world's problems over here <laughs> everybody just wants to be right yeah I had a guy on Facebook be like, well, this this debate's not going well. I was like, this isn't a debate. You're wrong. <laughs> like, a debate implies, like, each side has actual, like, an actual argument. Right. You, sir, are wrong.
1: And in a comment section. Yeah,
0: and in a comment section. <laughs> like, this isn't a debate. Right. Oh, man. Like, it, this is not the platform. That's fascism. Sorry, we're getting distra- <laughs> we get This is a whole other podcast. But that's how fascism works. It's mm-hmm. like. Lack of education and people not knowing what truth is, yeah, and then having some strong leader, which I can't believe Donald Trump's considered, anyways, like having them come in and be like, "No, this is what truth is. Here, let me show you. Mm-hmm. And we're I'm on the side of God. You know that God, <laughs> that guy that people have been telling you about forever, right? Yeah, well i'm on he's on my side and i'm on his and you're on my side and then like let's go kill some non-white people how fascism works come on people wake the fuck up sorry back to the music podcast (laughs) um (laughs) but this is what art's supposed to do like art fights fascism yeah yeah it's
1: no like like immediate like almost immediately after i got out of like the whole church scene yeah like i got i got into like super heavy into bob dylan and like woody guthrie Hell yeah and uh like there was there was shit there was probably at least a year where like i exclusively listened to dylan i
0: had i had that moment too and it was um it started for me in europe and it was like later on i was like in college like i liked some bob dylan songs Mm -hmm. i was familiar with him but like in college i it was like the itunes era i bought like a like 24 song like greatest hits yeah. thing or whatever like early bob dylan and i just listened to that
1: i think i had that one too something probably. like
0: that and i and it was just i remember the sun coming up i'd like sp- stayed up all night in spain sorry to um <laughs> stayed up all night partying in spain mm-hmm. um with my australian friend and i met this girl from ireland and we just like kind of hung out making out on the beach i was like 20 21 it was just like one of those just epic nights i walk a great thing
1: to do with that age yeah walk her back (laughs) to
0: her place and then we like make a time to meet up the next day and i'm like stumbling through san sebastian on the cobblestone streets Mm -hmm. i wrote a song about it actually as the sun's coming up and i throw on my ipod at the time didn't you? it's crazy like i (laughs) had a separate phone from an (laughs) ipad or ipod i didn't even ipads weren't even a thing nope and um damn what song was it that came on that morning it was a it was a Bob Dylan song. I can't even think about what Was it one. Spanish or like? It Spanish wasn't boots, boots of leather. Yeah, or you'd you'd boots of Spanish leather. I think it was Girl from the North Country. I think it could have been Girl from the North Country,
1: like with Johnny Cash. Yeah, too?
0: so it might not have been like early. The song is Bob so Dylan. Good. But yeah, it was just that and me <laughs> just being like, God damn it, yeah. And I wrote a song about it. that. Was one of the first songs I wrote actually.
1: I think. Uh... God, what was it? I think "Visions of Joanna" was the Ooh. song that like just like changed my worldview yeah. of music totally, and like just opened my mind. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, and then like of course like I grew up like hearing the the old stuff like yeah, for times are sure. changing, like Mr. Tambourine Man, and which are all it's like, so good. Which if you listen to it after you like been listening to him a lot, then. Yeah, you'll definitely like derive a lot more meaning from them than just like face value,
0: for sure. And he, um, it's what what I love about an artist like like Dylan or like Towns Van Zant or so many mm-hmm. with like that that are like they're bigger than their name could be. They are this like towering figure. At, is that like you get to like refall in love with different aspects of them and their mm-hmm. career because there's so much that like. It, I, w- I had been a Bob Dylan fan for 10 years, and then I finally, like, actually paid attention to the lyrics of this song, It's Okay, Ma, mm-hmm. I'm Only Bleeding, and uh-huh. was like, holy shit, this is the most perfect thing ever written. Like, yeah. I, it's just like, what the... F- <laughs> I'd heard that song before, but I never, like, really paid attention to the lyrics, and you go back, and you're like, wow, shit, man, mm-hmm. shit, shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, anyways, no, I, I actually love going off into diatribes about, like... um. <laughs>
1: about different songwriters and whatnot because that's like I said that's the cake but mm-hmm. and, and I think then then hard rain's gonna fall was the next one that just like sent me into this like oh yeah this spiral <laughs> yeah that's that song would be really poignant right now I feel like it's like I feel like that song can just play on a loop over like slow motion footage of literally everything that's been happening the last like eight months everything that's happened in America ever Pretty much, yeah. In a way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you choose
0: the right footage. It's like... Mm-hmm. But I mean, I heard it was on a podcast, Pete Holmes, which is, I mentioned on this podcast all the time. It's yeah. one of my favorite podcasts. But he said something about, like, if they had footage of your entire life, they'd be able to cut together a film of you as the bad guy or as the good guy. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's just... Just because, like, that's how film works. Yeah. But it's like people and you say that to anyone they they'd be like oh yeah that's true like cuz i've definitely not been at my best plenty of times and i've mm-hmm. been an asshole plenty of times right but then you're like yeah that's what they're doing with us history through your education system but backwards yep. where they're not telling you about any of the bad shit yeah and they're downplaying all of the really atrocious horrible shit and then uh-huh. that's why you're like i fucking love america <laughs> Back to anti fascist Chuck, anyways,
1: full yeah. circle. Uh, <laughs> which, luckily, like being a non white individual, mm-hmm. I, uh, and then, like, that coupled with being a punk rocker in my, like, early teens. Totally. Like, I got, like, I found out about, like, anti racist action and, uh, basically, like, Nazi punks fuck off. Yeah. At a very early formative age. Totally. <laughs> so, like, that. That has never left me. Like, I, I still have a lot of my punk rock sensibilities. Uh, and, uh, like... Totally. It's it's one of the biggest things I'm grateful for. Uh, the fact that, like... I... Like, I did poorly in a lot of school. Like, mm-hmm. in, like, history and stuff. Because, like, so much of it just pissed me off. This isn't because I was like, what what like... It's just whitewashed. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, totally. almost to the point. Especially of in lies. Texas, growing up like
0: so. like with Mexican heritage mm-hmm. in Texas, you're probably just like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, and like the the diet or the 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 dialogue around the Alamo is mm-hmm. so like, and it's like I get that's like an important part. Like, I mean, first of all, like that's not even the battle they won, or that's when they lost. Like, yeah, but like the the whole um the dialogue around it is so steeped in like. Racism mm-hmm. and like white supremacy. What it's like? Yeah. I get that. It's like, it's. Uh, I mean, heritage and like it's an important part of mm-hmm. Texas heritage. But it's also like, yo, like think about like when you're just like the we were fighting the Mexicans. Like
1: also, these dudes were from Tennessee. Yeah, like who the fuck are you rooting for? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
0: It's a sorry. It's an interesting. That's a whole other podcast. But but no, I okay. So the punk rock thing is it's so interesting that you bring that up because I was just having this conversation with someone about like, I, you know, I grew up Mormon and Mm -hmm. I was like pretty strict and very into it until about age 15 Mm -hmm. when my whole family went through some stuff that just was like, you know, they're kind of treating us all really poorly and we're not like really part of the club anymore. And it kind of really sucks from the outside and doesn't look nearly as holy and great. And I don't really want to be a part of this anymore. Mm -hmm. And How do you all feel about it? Yeah, we don't really want to be a part of this okay cool so we walked away and like you know there's like some lingering shame and getting disowned by certain family members or different friends that don't really talk to you anymore right like it all worked out but before that around age 13 a friend's older brother who is like pretty much responsible for me being who I am he showed me like the get-up kids and mm-hmm. alkaline trio and modest mouse and like every band that ever meant anything to me at yep. like a very formidable age around 13 and then he showed me SLC Punk.
1: Oh, I love SLC Punk.
0: And it, like, what I loved <laughs> about that movie is, like, it was like punk rock. It was every, like, I had these reservations about punk rock because mm-hmm. of my religion. Yeah. But there's that character, and I forget his name, that is like the Mormon character. He's got glasses and like, like blonde. I think. Oh, Jason part. Siegel.
1: Oh yeah, that is Jason uh, Siegel.
0: <laughs> that's Mike. Is that Mike? And he's like that. That was. I was like, that's me. Like, I'm hanging out with all these kids that like to party and whatnot. But, like, I don't get involved. But as soon as shit goes down, I will throw the fuck down. Like, Mm -hmm. take off my glasses. Not that I wear glasses, but that's what he would do. He'd take off his glasses and go throw down. And I was like – and he, like, (laughs) fucking – they fucked up Nazis and everything like that. And I was like, that's an ideology I can get behind. Mm -hmm. And that's how I – partially how I ended up in Salt Lake City, like, years later. Nice. Was, like, I want to snowboard. This is the best place to snowboard. Yeah, the Mormons might be – weird, but I know how to deal with them, because that's, like, my whole family, uh-huh. and also, it's pretty fucking punk rock to, like, move to Salt Lake City and try and, like, be not fucking Salt Lake City, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's a great
1: place that has a lot of people who think and feel that way. Um, mm-hmm. But, no, like, I was I was always impressed, like, every time I went to, like, Salt Lake and, like, hung out with all of you. yeah, it's Like, my... Good crew. I think the first time was... Like two or three years after you and I met for the first uh-huh. time. Yeah. And uh like I'd only ever seen you in Texas <laughs> until yeah. then. Seen me so. getting drunk and fucking up
0: town songs. We all we we've all <laughs> been there. I was still so embarrassed about that show in Houston playing a town song. I was like, I forgot these lyrics I'm such an <laughs> asshole. Um so so that transition from back to punk rock from like worship group, like And then you said you started listening to exclusively, like, Bob Dylan, Woody Guthrie.
1: Yeah, like, that's when I finally started to get, like, really into songwriting.
0: So is that when you started writing your own stuff? Yeah. Yeah, like,
1: it was... Not, like, as a band committee, you were, like, working on your (laughs) Mm -hmm. solo project. Yeah, which, at at that time, it was, like, it was god-awful writing. Like, it was just, it was so bad. I kind of wish I... I... I had someone on MySpace, like... Tell me straight up like your your songs are really bad. Oh damn. And uh, <laughs> like that has stuck with me for a really long time Like it's funny. It, how. it wasn't very specific yeah. about their critique, but who like, was it?
0: Who was it? Tell me let's fuck no idea. Up. You like, don't remember anymore, man.
1: Like I I've I've tried to look up old bands on myspace lately yeah. and like they're they're not there anymore oh. but so interesting thing is like I was writing my like folk songs uh uh-huh. by myself and then like playing guitar in a metal band at the time too nice so it's like playing gigs with this metal band like and then trying to like be my own separate musician writer mm-hmm. eventually like all the metal stuff like fell by the wayside uh totally uh but like I, I did that like i did both for a few years for sure and then uh yeah at that point like my solo project was called The New Day Comes. Okay. Which is. It's uh, got a nice, a nice flow like to it. Sappy pap, though. Yeah. Like, I, I was listening to. Like, I was supplementing, like, the Dylan and stuff with, like, Death Cab.
0: Mm, yeah. That's, that sounds
1: about my <clears throat> era, too. That, that was about when, like, Postal Service dropped for the first time. Oh, too. gotcha. Yeah. So I was like, this is so cool. This is so interesting. And, like, I tried implementing. Like keyboards and stuff into my music, and it didn't go well. Uh,
0: what, so what did you, uh, so did, were you performing out at this, around this point? Like, like solo? I, I
1: played, I played like a handful of solo shows uh-huh. under that, that iteration. Yeah. And then I just, I don't know, there was like zero reception I was getting from it. Yeah. And, uh, so I took some time, like, and started, like, writing other stuff like at that point that's when i got huge into johnny cash Mm. and like i hate to admit it it was after i saw walk the line yeah but like i was watching that and just actually like seeing these songs for the first time and like johnny cash was like damn good yeah (laughs) totally uh, like just like punk rock as
0: fuck yeah yeah yeah
1: totally it's (laughs) like i saw it and i was like this this resonates. See, for sure. And like it's timeless. uh-huh, So like I that's when I started writing country. Which yeah. like um you've talked about this on your podcast a lot, like maybe yeah, you have other it. people. Yeah. True. Uh it's like that's yeah, that's what you graduate to. Like you go from punk rock to country. Yeah. Like, especially like when you reach the point where you're like, you know, money would be cool. Yeah. So like
0: <laughs> Totally. Well or just like there was I remember I have this friend Lauren who was also a big part of like what helped me get to and sorry I, I go off on these no, tangents, no, no. but just trying to like relate it all like Lauren was the drummer in this band called Lydia who mm-hmm. was in Phoenix and like doing really well and they I knew him through snowboarding because there was a resort where I grew up and he would come mm-hmm. up and ride a lot and we just kind of like met and used to ride together whenever he was in town And at one point he's like, "Hey Chuck, are you are you you in a band? Like hit me up on like Mm -hmm. AOL Instant Messenger." And I had some friends that I kind of like, kind of like jammed with, but we didn't have anything really. We had Mm -hmm. some songs we were working on, quote unquote. It was just like something to do.
2: Yeah.
0: And uh, and he was like, "We really want to play a show up in Pine Top. Like, can you make that happen?" And and so I figured, like, it it's like this whole thing that I'll have to tell this story about sometime, but. Mm but ended up getting my principal to agree to let us do it in the hallways of my school. <laughs> and it ended up being like this huge thing where all like kids from all over the mountain came mm-hmm. up, like from different communities around. Yeah. And like, we had like a few hundred people at the show and my band nice. played for the first time ever. And we, cause we had like a month to be like, okay, well we got to write songs and mm-hmm. play a set. And so that was like what lit a fire under our ass. Funny, our name of our band was called led by the flame. Nice. So that was what lit the flame <laughs> that we were led by to, yeah. <laughs> to finish those songs. And, uh, but anyways, like years later, I was in Utah and Lauren was in town and he was like kind of towards the end of like, cause his band had toured quite a bit and he was just kind of burnt mm-hmm. out. He's speaking of Mormons, he's Mormon and like wanted to like start raising a family and like, yeah. he, he was just tired of being on the road. It wasn't really his calling. It was just mm-hmm. something he had kind of lucked into. Right. Um, and we went and saw the Blood Brothers play. I don't know if you ever got yeah. into them. Mm-hmm. Really fucking cool, weird band yeah. from, like, only could have existed during those, like...
1: It's, like, pre-Death Grips. Like yeah, those, like, shit. like <laughs> yeah, it's like,
0: those weird MySpace years where it's just, right. like, all right, yeah, this is, like, what they're sounding. And it was, they made some really cool music. Mm-hmm. And Lauren was, like, like, man, those guys are, like, close, closer to 30 than they are 20 now, and they're all, like he was kind of talking shit on, like, their their look, like, Mm -hmm. how they're just, like, super seen, you know, like, super tight (laughs) girl pants, like, that whole thing. And he's just, like, I "I don't know, man. It's just, like, it's not pretty, like, watching people age and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And I was just, like, I kind of got what he was saying, but I'm, like, yeah, but they're on stage playing music in front of, like, a bunch of people. Like, this is so, like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And then, like, as I, I was just, like, as I got older and started writing music of my own or, like, started playing out, it was, like, that was part of the whole country thing was, like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is how you age as a punk, like, gracefully, you know? Like, And it's funny, because, like, Johnny Rotten is kind of a fucking asshole. The dude sucks. Yeah. And he was... I mean, the the Sex Pistols were always a joke, but, like, it's just, like, yeah, that's what happens when style is put over content. Mm -hmm. But then you got, like, Joe Strummer, who, like... I'm not even, like, a huge fan of, like, all of The Clash's music. Yeah. Just because of I, I haven't really done enough of a deep dive. Uh-huh. But because of, like, what I know and love about Joe Strummer, The Clash will always be, like, one of the best punk bands because of him. Yeah. Also, yeah.
1: Joe Strummer's, like, cinematic, like, solo stuff is fucking cool. Oh, yeah. I've only... Like, it's,
0: like... I haven't really dug into that. I should... It's, like,
1: on the verge of, like, flamenco, like, spaghetti western-ish type stuff. Fucking A. And, like, it's it's really cool. Dude. It's on a playlist I've got with, like, so, like Nils Klein's uh, um, solo project. And, you should send me that. Which is, like, pseudo-noir. Like, it's oh, it's, it's badass. Yeah. Hell yeah. Sorry, I'm, I got <laughs> off on a, a tangent. But that's, like... No, like, that's... You're right. That's how you age as a punk. Totally. Like, I remember, like, being 15 and watching, like, 50-year-olds on stage, like, the band U.S. Bombs. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is just, just kind of like an oi... Oy- Punk band, uh-huh. uh, and they like they looked like they looked about how Meatloaf looks at every performance, like they're about to like have a heart attack and fall off the stage. Yeah, uh, like it, Just it, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't cute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh,
0: it it isn't cute at a certain point. I and mean, not, I mean, at least for me, there's certain things about like what's driven my career has been like 15 year old me. Mm -hmm. Like that part of me that's like, fuck you. I don't give a fuck about your rules. I'm gonna like figure it out or I'm gonna have a great life trying. Yeah, You know, and I'm gonna do what I wanna do and like two weeks off a year, fuck Mm -hmm. you like i'm corporate like you know and it's it so comes from this 15 year old just like what two weeks off a year yeah fuck you like fuck that fuck fuck this system i didn't choose this system i didn't even ask to be born it's all like this angsty shit yeah that is like driven my entire career and it's like i don't know and at this point i'm just like (laughs) oh cool like there's there's things about that that are really cool and i want to embrace and like hold on to and run with and there's things about that that are like yeah dude you don't want to be the one that drinks everyone else under the table exactly like because that's not fun anymore
1: like i remember the point like fairly recently where like i made the choice to not drink during gigs yeah it's like if i did i would have like maybe one beer Uh but like i know myself and like that one beer during a gig like for nerves like a water slide like yeah case leads to a, <laughs> and, uh, a pool of water at the bottom
0: right <laughs> like that's what a water slide does
1: and uh yeah like it, like the change in performance was yeah insane oh totally it's like i remember all my lyrics like mm-hmm. I, like when you're playing a three-hour set like not only does it suck if you're too drunk to remember your own shit but also like you gotta pee halfway through every set yeah. and like that's, that's when, it's embarrassing
0: and also like it takes the edge off to the point where you Sometimes you know, and not for everyone, but for me, what I noticed with booze is like it'll take the edge off to the point where you're like, you're not as good, and you don't care. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I'm in the entertainment business. Like, yes, yeah. yeah, so much about my career comes from like, fuck you, I don't want to play by your rules. But also realizing like, yeah, but I like the rules. Like, I got to pay rent. Yeah, and I gotta do. I gotta pay my bills, and I gotta eat. Mm-hmm. Like those rules aren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so like. I'm in the entertainment business. The way that those things go easier is by putting on a fucking show. Yeah. And I don't want to like the show. I don't want. I don't want to be the show that's like, oh, look, Chuck's fucking wasted again.
1: Like you want people to remember it, but for the right reasons. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that music was really good. Not like oh, he pissed his pants. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) totally. No, it's like I want to see that train wreck again. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean,
0: I. I think there's there's something to be like the and it can't be stated enough you know and like people are gonna drink like i don't know whatever like Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not here to tell you what to do i'm not the fucking beer police right know like i tell my band it's like you guys know what your limit is but trust me like when i know you're fucking up because you're drunk like Mm -hmm. you're gonna hear about it oh yeah you know because like
1: especially as like someone who's being hired to play like as a drummer like i would never like in the past i would have but like there hasn't been a point in years where i would like let myself get to a point where i wasn't 100 percent satisfied with my performance totally it's like if i'm being hired to do a job like it needs to have the same responsibility and the same seriousness mm-hmm. that it would like if you're doing anything else for sure like, and yeah that's i mean that's a good thing as a band leader to be like hey uh little sloppy there but your fucking dad yeah
0: yeah i'm not the beer police but when you're sloppy you're gonna fucking hear about it yeah and if you're sloppy too many times in a row i'm probably gonna try and find someone else to replace you Mm -hmm. because like because that's also the thing is like i I live in fucking brooklyn i can throw a rock and hit 10 people who play (laughs) guitar better than me right like it's it's like and so many young musicians and i'm sorry we've derailed off of your story but this is all so relevant yeah that like I've been on tour with musicians or like been around especially younger ones that think they're like some sort of like they're the God's gift to like the universe that they're Bill and fucking Ted. They're going to save the planet with their music. And I've like had those thoughts before too and thought my band was the next Beatles and shit. Like (laughs) it, like you have to have these illusions of grandeur Mm -hmm. to pursue a career like this. But also you need to be checked very regularly for someone to be like, yo dude, there's 10 bands in uh, in this neighborhood that sound yeah. as good as you or it, like have some show some fuck like be humble like show mm-hmm. some fucking humility and realize like yeah you on three beers isn't nearly as good as you think you are yeah on three beers oh man i sound like <laughs> such a narc <laughs> um but yeah it's 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 the difference between like being a bar band or being a band who's like well i just like free beer and like chicks dig guitars yeah like and being like a fucking pro
1: like there was a, a place in texas that uh like the last few years of quiet morning and the calamity my band mm-hmm. uh where like we would we'd play almost like once a month at a this like really badass like dive bar in uh like the outskirts of downtown in houston uh-huh. called D W lounge Okay. And, like, the owner was, like, super cool. Like, he was always there behind the bar. Yeah. Uh, like, always took care of, like, every band that ever played. in uh, like, excellent hospitality. Yeah. Which, like, the first couple times we played there, it's like, the entire band, myself included, would probably take too much advantage of. Uh-huh. And, like, it would just be, like, bucket after bucket of Lone Star. And we've all been and, there. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then, like, eventually, like, like I said, I remember, like, that clear defining change between that and being like, you know what, how about a, how about a bucket of Topo Chico this time? Yeah. And, uh, like, I still had to pee a lot, but, like, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, you, you got to do something in between songs with your hands, totally. like. Totally, and hydrate, and. Yeah, like, I, like, I purposefully learned more songs, so I would have to talk less. Yeah. Because, like. I sound like a jackass in between songs like I don't know what to say I'm awkward as fuck and like there was a a point in time where I thought like for some reason I should try to tell jokes in between and like
0: we've all been we've all tried that yeah
1: it it, it never goes well no
0: there's like funny observations that can be made yeah but it's like really important to remember you're not a comedian
1: exactly Like, and that's
0: not why they're there
1: especially if you're playing at a place where people did not buy tickets to go see you yeah oh like, yeah they're they're just there and you're just there in their mind and mm-hmm. like your background noise with like the astros playing on the tv totally like, like i think so, i like, know this bar that you're talking about if you've been there you would know it there it's like this incredible hodgepodge of shit on the inside there's a fucking carousel horse like hanging from the ceiling is uh, it is it like a standalone
0: building with like a parking lot yeah but kind of just outside of downtown yeah it, like wooden. It's
1: it's right down the street from Super Happy Funland. I don't know. It, like in the like the warehouse ish. I've got place. like a crazy. If this is the place, I think it is. It's like I've got a crazy story about it. But so it's it's a cool like w- one of the coolest places yeah. in Houston. Like they actually had a ride up in Texas Monthly. I think I played
0: a, a open mic there years before I ever met you, just passing mm-hmm. through Houston, and then met like nice some dude who used to who played guitar with Towns back in the day and
1: like <laughs> it was just like one I mean of those... if you're gonna meet someone in Houston like that would probably be the place totally. where you would meet like it... some random ass person
0: the bartender was this dude named Mike like he could tell my buddy and I because we've been living out of our the van for a while I've talked uh-huh. about this trip on the podcast before but like it was like my first time like me and my buddy oh, are, you, are you thinking of Rudyard's it wasn't Rudyard's because I've been okay. there I've played there before
1: was like Mike booked at Rudyards but
0: no this dude was like
1: we, pl- he, we played at Rudyards the last time you were in Houston. Yeah, yeah yeah I played at yeah.
0: Rudyards yeah with you yeah no this place this dude just like saw us and like could tell we like had been through the ringer and we had just like gotten through like an insane week in mm-hmm. Austin like getting like screwed over for like 400 bucks by these rednecks
1: that's Austin yeah
0: it, it, it was uh but he just like took such good care of us I don't want to this, I don't know if this is relevant at all, but it was just, I don't know. I was just like, what was the name of that? And then you brought up the name and then I'm like, well, I'll have to talk about it. I gotta, yeah, yeah. I gotta look it up. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that's also another thing. Kindness of people on the road. Mm-hmm. So you start writing songs. Is that when, um, quiet morning, the calamity like first started or.
1: So I played as quiet morning, mm-hmm. uh, for at least like a couple of years
0: you finally got to a band name that's like oh, that's a yeah. great band name yeah and yeah. i liked
1: it and then
0: you were like uh, getting close to like something really good and then then you landed on that and i'm like i remember yeah. the first time i heard quiet morning in the calamity
1: i'm like that's a fucking cool band name <laughs> so uh the first full band of quiet morning though was called quiet morning and the masters of death
0: Oh, I think I which that. is a
1: reference to *Shogun Assassin*, the yeah. like, like sep- the samurai movie from the like early '70s, uh-huh. Uh and like Mark was drumming, yeah, uh, which tells you how long ago it was uh, that Mark and I were living in the same place. Yeah, those of you <laughs> that
0: don't know who Mark is, Mark is MC Bus Stop, who's kind of been he's been managing <laughs> helping me with stuff for a long all, time all of us <laughs> all of us he's kind of like the unspoken
1: he, he made every poster like in this yeah room. yeah <laughs> he's
0: he's the unspoken force behind like so much of what myself and sean and oh, a handful of other people have done for years so shout out mm-hmm. to mark mc bus stop yes yeah. he's the he's the dude head of burro Baracho records which you should check out
1: on spotify and instagram which? Mark and I started in 2007. Yeah. And
0: now it's got a website finally 13 years later. (laughs) That looks great. Yeah, thank you, Dana. Um.
1: But, uh, yeah, so it was Quiet Morning in the Masters of Death. And, like, our first show, I I think it was the only show as that Mm -hmm. name, was at this, like, really badass place, like, that I always wanted to play at. It's no longer there. Uh, Called Walters on Washington. You made me want to play at it. Yeah.
0: But now it's not there. Uh, (laughs)
1: Walters on Washington. And it was just like, it was essentially like an old house, Uh basically. So, like, it felt really intimate. Like, I saw some really good bands there. Mm -hmm. Like, I saw St. Vincent there. Wow. uh, Like, before she, like, blew up. Yeah. Like, she had, I think, just finished, like, her stint doing whatever she did with Polyphonic Spree. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like she was still more or less like claiming like Dallas. Really? <laughs> and like the D F W area. So I didn't like, know she was
0: from Texas originally. Mm-hmm. I thought she was New York three
1: and through. No, I'm pretty sure Annie's from Texas. I have no idea. Uh but anyway, like I, I saw her uh like she had just released her first album. Oh, cool. Uh and like it was a maybe like a hundred person capacity, like max. Yeah. So, like, I was, like, right there at the stage. The stage was maybe a foot off the ground.
0: Yep. it's like, Kilby Court. I don't know if you've been there in Utah. Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. That's one of those venues that, like, <clears throat> I've seen so many amazing bands there before anybody knew who the fuck they were. Mm-hmm. Even me. I was just like, this band <laughs> fucking rips. Yeah. And then, like, a couple years later, like, oh, yeah, that band blew up. Cool. I kind of knew that was going to
1: happen. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, shit, I remember being in L.A. and, like, we played with Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah. And uh, Silver Lake. Yeah. And now... Yeah have she's, now everyone knows like who she is which is fucking cool yeah she's killing it she's so good too. yeah so good but uh yeah so like we finally played at this place that like i'd always wanted to play at mm-hmm. and then I, I think that's when mark moved away <laughs> again it, mark uh it, it, it wasn't his fault like everyone else kind of just yeah went by the wayside too. so what mm-hmm. ended up happening
0: though with quiet morning did you because i know You were with them for a while, or, like, you've were you been doing that Mm -hmm. um, for a while now, but then you also had the band Handsome Ransom.
1: Yeah, yeah. So So
0: what's this timeline looking like with those two?
1: So Quiet Morning and the Masters of Death was around 2007, 2008. Okay. And then uh, I went solo again for a while, Uh just went back to Quiet Morning, played a lot of shows just as a solo artist, and, uh, like, started getting that name out there, and that's when I started like, booking under uh, Modern Sonnet Productions. okay, And, okay. like, started booking other bands, too. Like, just bands that I thought would be cool to play with, uh-huh. and, like, network. And, like, at the time, I had these, like, huge aspirations of, like, imp- trying to improve the Houston music scene, uh-huh. which I was never able to do, but, like, there's other people who, like, I met during that time that did a much better job <laughs> yeah, with that, and, like, have definitely, like, Done a like huge service to that community. Like, but,
0: uh, who are you? You want to drop names, or are you rather uh,
1: not? <laughs> so, uh, God, I'm trying to remember the name of their like collective now. Wonky Power Records. Wonky Power. Yeah, uh, started by, I'm sure it was more than just him, but uh, a dude named Mario. Uh, which oh. he was in a band called tax the wolf okay, uh, and a band that i was in around 2012 that i was drumming for called yoko mono okay yeah. uh which was like a spanish rock band i feel like i played uh, a show with them at some point probably yeah <laughs> but uh like th- both those bands were friends because it was you know like people like hispanics in rock music and, yeah totally and you know we all kind of stuck together so like that community is like so tight knit it's awesome that uh like we all just knew each other we all played together all the time uh all just like really cool people so like it like i met him through there and then like several years later he and like a bunch of other like bandmates of his and like other friends Uh started wonky power records and now they're like one of the like go-to names for like good bands and in Houston.
0: Oh, cool! That's awesome.
1: So, yeah, it's it's really cool. Like all those people, like they're they're still doing like a great job with everything they're doing.
0: Yeah, that was. Uh, I remember s- just so many places I've been and so many conversations I've had with kids. Like, oh man, I want to play rock and roll, but like, there's mm-hmm. I can't do it in this town or this town sucks. Blah blah blah. And mm-hmm. it's like, yo, you've got a f- a basement, like yeah. you got you know, and like I- I'm not the first person to say this, but like you don't like your scene like creative scene Mm -hmm. start playing shows start making shows like i mean this year obviously covid is is different and i I sound like an asshole now saying all that but but it's it's really like there's i don't know I, i just feel like there's so much of this in every art community no matter where you are where it's like Oh, this is this is going to be the place. This is going to be really cool in the next ten years. And it's like, yeah, you got to make a scene. Yeah, you got to create the scene, not make a scene like have a meltdown at Walmart (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) or Target. Wild.
0: Target, yeah, whichever. I guess they don't have WalMarts in Brooklyn.
1: That's true. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen a Walmart. Yeah, Uh, I mean, you're not missing much. (laughs) Like one one thing, I was pretty satisfied with like, what I did in Houston while I was there uh-huh. was, like, I feel like I did a decent job uh, connecting the singer-songwriter community. Cool. So, like, that's one thing that I felt was always just, like, really few and far between. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, like, we all knew each other, and, like, a few of us, like, would, like, open for a band at some point, but there was never any showcases that, like, had, like, all of us. Yeah. And, uh, it's like, I think... I don't. I think it was uh, like the first show that you played with me in Houston. Yeah. At uh, Amont Garden. Amont Garden, yeah. Where it was like it, that's what it was. It was a songwriter showcase. Yeah. And. Uh, that was a really fun night. Yeah, it was like it was good. Yeah. And like because of stuff like that, I was able to, you know, play with play with you. I was able to play with uh, like Robert Ellis, who like oh, yeah. right like shortly after that, like also. Blew up and like did some really Making great some things really cool records lately. yeah yeah in the yeah just it, it was it was what I wanted to do yeah in a slightly different way than I had imagined
0: yeah well it's that's the funny thing is like I, I truly believe we um and I, this is gonna sound super like hippy dippy or whatever <laughs> but like we create our realities yeah like, and whether it's as simple as like you choosing to like Look at the positive side of something or the negative side of something, you know And not saying that like depression isn't a chemical imbalance and everything Mm -hmm. like like that, you know Like not taking away from actual mental health issues because that's like a whole other thing, but like in the moment Deciding like you create your realities as you go along. Yeah, but In order for you to imagine like a future like how you're going to influence the houston songwriter scene um you're never going to be able to be like in your head, imagine exactly how it's going to turn out. Mm -hmm. And, but it's like, it's like an important starting place for these ideas. And then course correction down the road is so important for like, like that, that vision starts to come to actual fruition and you're like starting to see how it's like slightly different, but you're like, Oh, this is good though because Mm -hmm. of this, you know what I mean? So sorry. That was like a moment where things I've been thinking about a lot lately is that like,
1: no, it's a, excellent point though
0: yeah you know like Like, don't don't be distraught because it's different than you imagined it's like oh this this was supposed to happen this way and it's and like how can you use that to your advantage or Mm -hmm. how can you be like oh, there's actually something i should be really proud of because it's like because because of this you know what i mean
1: yeah yeah so uh yeah like i said i was playing as a solo artist Mm -hmm. and then uh, around 2012 Is where I started drumming for the band Handsome Ransom. Okay, yeah. uh, Which uh, our stuff is available like wherever you stream stuff. Yeah. Uh, Great band. Like one of my favorite bands I've ever played with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like we're still, like we still have a group text. (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. Like several years later. What happened to Uh, that band? Why did you guys stop playing? uh, I quit. I quit. Oh. Uh, uh, a very high school reason i quit to focus on my music uh, uh like to on focus on my project. solo project yeah. and uh yeah like luckily i i did cuz like it it got me to really focus yeah. on uh on making it like actually happen is not that... to say i like made it but uh
0: totally but this is around the time because 2012 looking at the timeline i'm like i met mark um early 2013 I want to say maybe it was late 2012 because mm-hmm. that show we played avant-garden was like uh because I was down in Texas for South by Southwest and that was 2013.
1: Y'all were y'all were working at 50 right? Mm-hmm. So I re- I still remember Mark like sending me a link to your stuff yeah uh, saying like y'all should play together at some point I was like yeah because I'm going to Utah ever yeah and, totally like and then sure cut enough to a I'm few years sitting later. in your apartment <laughs> in New York City like <laughs> uh but yeah, so, like, I, I, again, like, played solo for, like, a couple months and then decided, like, I wanted to do a full band and, uh-huh. like, do full band from then on. Uh, and, like, I was starting to write, like, some, like, cooler stuff. Like, yeah. it was more, more like Americana uh-huh. before I really knew, like, Americana was a moniker that people were using. Yeah. Uh, Which, like, the Masters of Death, it was... Just, very like johnny cash influenced like huge like into like actual like western Uh music yeah uh so like it just felt kind of kitschy yeah but
0: my path was similar like i I, there was a road like a split in the path where it's like you can lean really hard into the johnny cash thing because people uh people are digging that and i was like it seems like the easy easier route in a weird way and it's like johnny cash pretty much taught me how to write songs just by studying uh-huh. his like the unearthed recordings yeah um and it's like he didn't even write a lot of those songs mm-hmm. like th- those recordings like rick rubin taught me how to right. write or like <laughs> uh, all these you know it, but it's like uh um i saw that opportunity to be like well, you could do this thing and i was mm-hmm. i was like but i i like fucking love like paul simon and yeah. like all this other stuff there's so many other angles of music i want to try than just this Mm -hmm. like very southern roots like feel yeah and i've seen a lot of artists like come since then that have like kind of done like the super noir country thing Uh and it's like cool and there's good i'm not trying to take away from it but it's also just like man i kind of could have done that like yeah years ago and i didn't but you know good good thing they're they're famous now, yeah <laughs> good for them <laughs>
1: they they followed their truth
0: <laughs> yeah and I uh like paul Simon,
1: yeah yeah <laughs> love paul simon
0: so you, when you quit to focus on your own music was this
1: when when did you first what was your first tour first tour was two thousand fifteen oh, uh, really I thought it was. Like that was the first like like I'd played on the road mm-hmm. before that, just like uh like long weekend type uh-huh. stuff. Uh just around Texas yeah. and stuff like that. And then twenty fifteen was my first uh like actual tour. Uh so it was right after the like the first E P had been released. Mm-hmm. Um I'm sorry, two thousand fourteen say that timeline doesn't yeah 2015 was a second tour yeah uh when I went solo yeah uh so yeah 2014 um the EP Son of the Sad Soul yeah was released and uh again Mark was drumming for me on that one yeah uh and we did six weeks uh touring the west coast yeah uh in a Honda Fit as so a trio th- three of you yeah yeah which was amazing like it was a testament to like being able to pack a car really well yeah if you're if you're not <laughs> like if you can't
0: if the music's not good or bad it doesn't matter by the end of the tour you better know how to pack that yeah damn car. <laughs> uh that's that's funny because that's a when i met you essentially or no i i met you in texas for yeah shows before but that was your first time playing in utah mm-hmm.
1: um like my first time ever to be in utah and like uh, because that's where like everyone's home base was, basically. Uh-huh. Like, uh, like with Mark and mine like, and Mark's, yeah. Yeah, like we spent we spent about a week there. Yeah, and uh, like got to play like Copper Common and like that stuff. And, like those. I met met like Genevieve. I met uh, Carson, and uh-huh. Trace. Like, just like the whole like the whole I, crew. I met Wandering Man Productions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Uh, so i mean anyone
0: listening who doesn't know like my last year in utah we were playing this restaurant called the copper or copper conya copper uh. there's a (laughs) there's a restaurant called the copper onion and then also owned by it is this bar called uh copper common which is like a bar restaurant and we used to play like have a weekly residence there me and like my band but my band was also made up of these songwriters Mm -hmm. and so we'd all kind of take turns playing our own songs and like just kind of jamming and just like we usually just turn into it like it's a really nice bar and i can't believe Mm -hmm. they just let us get (laughs) drunk there every monday and just make noise but we had a great time and that was Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things about like the hardest things to leave behind when i left utah was like that every week we just knew like even if um half the band couldn't show up that week we just knew we were going to get free beer and just play a bunch (laughs) of like random songs yeah you know and have a great time and that was some of my favorite memories in salt lake grid copper common nice that was like the first time someone approached me and was like that wasn't tour it was like the first time in salt lake city that they were like yeah we want you to come in and like play for like three hours and we'll pay you like how much do you want for that (laughs) and like on tour i had kind of done that but like in salt lake it was like you play show shows where you bring people Mm -hmm. and like you bring 20 people you make four dollars per person or whatever you get to drink tickets blah 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 like by the end of the night you spent more money than you made unless it's like an album release and you get to make all the money or you don't have to pay the bands as much and you know right and so it was like it's like this weird foray into the whole like three hours of background noise Mm -hmm. gig where you're trying to vie for people's attention but not in a way where you're distracting them from the evening that they're there to have yeah yeah
1: you know you're an, you're a bonus yeah
0: you're you should be a bonus right <laughs> and sometimes your ego gets so caught up in the fact that nobody's paying attention to you mm-hmm. that you it's like i said earlier you think you're god's gift to mankind and you're like Why the fuck aren't these assholes listening to me? These fucking plebes, like, and that (laughs) devolves
1: quickly into like self-deprecation humor on the microphone. Totally, and and we've all seen it. Leads to getting more and more drunk. (laughs) Totally, it's it's not like the worst
0: thing, but I mean, we've all done it and we've all been like seen it happen. Yeah, but now as like someone who does this a lot more professionally and someone who um, Mm -hmm. does this a lot more soberly, (laughs) right. it's very much about like we create our own realities. It's like mm-hmm. oh they're not paying attention to me because they don't like me or because they're stupid or whatnot. It's like no, because they're on a date. Yeah. Um, let's try and like without <laughs> and then it's and then I'm like oh this is a challenge mm-hmm. without being like over the top like Jim Carrey mm-hmm. like impressions like what you know what I mean yeah. like how do I just absolutely fucking slay this song mm-hmm. so hard that like. I'm gonna get that couple to start clapping.
1: Yeah, like there was a certain point where like I accepted just being being in the background, Uh and it didn't matter. Like I was still playing music, and I was playing my own songs, and then like some covers. But like there was something that like so Jim Morrison, like in an interview at one point, said that like when he was asked why he always seems like he's giving like everything he's got, is because like his answer was essentially that whether you're playing to one person or like a million people like yeah. it doesn't matter you should be giving like the performance that you want them to like take away and remember totally so like nothing else matters except for like what you're creating in that moment and because like that like again sounds kind of like far-fetched and like kind of hippie but yeah like, it's like that connection and like what you're creating in that moment like that's that's unique to mm-hmm. that moment, and like, it'll never happen again. One hundred percent. So like, <laughs> and that's why people watch live
0: music. Exactly. They is for those times when, oh, uh, it's it's the end of the night. We were gonna play. We weren't gonna play anymore, but this crowd is still dancing. Yeah. So here's a 13 minute version of dancing in the moonlight because right. like cuz like we've already played this song twice tonight but you all seem to fucking love it and mm-hmm. you're drunk enough that you don't care all you want to do is dance so oh, yeah. let's do it boys and we're going to play that chorus 15 times. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's like I have I've been there like, And I've, it's the best thing ever. And uh-huh. it's um but it's so there's so many things, especially your ego as a musician or as whatever that like in that moment could tell you like, oh, we're we're done. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, or or whatever it is, or just being like, I don't want to play another Thin Lizzy song for these assholes. <laughs> like, oh, you know, but it's like yeah. now being in COVID where it's like I've gotten to play less than 10 shows this year, which, which like bizarre. usually I aim for closer to like 100 shows yeah. a year. Like it's like. I don't know. I was talking to my roommate the other day, and I was like, "What sucks is I haven't even really been able to play with a band at a bar, like in Montana, which is mm-hmm. like my shit, yeah, as a fully no, sober Montana's guy great. yet. Like, I haven't <laughs> been able to do it as like a fully sober yeah. guy. And I'm like, dude, when I now I think I'm gonna be able to, like, I'm gonna put on the best show that those drunk people have ever <laughs> seen, you know? Because I'm just like, I get it now. Yeah. Like, when you're when you're the sober person around, it's like. Let's have some fun, guys. Yeah, like, and not in a manipulative type way. It's like, oh, y'all are here to dance and possibly go home with someone. Mm -hmm. Let me let me help make that happen. Right. You know, instead of like, that's when I'm here to play music. Watch me. I'm gonna drink the beer. I'm gonna try and go home with someone. Me, 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 me. It's like no, no. And I was doing it wrong for so (laughs) long. Yeah, I don't know. I can't wait to do it again. It Sucks like
1: looking back and being like, all those years just like kind of wasted doing that. Like. Yeah, but But, also, like, I
0: play – I mean, my guitar playing, my singing, my songwriting, every aspect mm -hmm. of it is so much better because of those years. Right. Because of, like, all the times that I was, like, I can't believe I just drove 12 hours to play four hours to 12 people. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're, like, all right, you know what I mean? Like, and you get through it, and then you drive 12 hours the next day to play four hours to 10 people, or you know what I
1: mean? And it's, like – like uh, on the first tour, like one of our, one of our first stops was in Santa Fe, New Mexico, uh-huh. and we played to basically the sound guy, and like it was in a basement, so like the people up in the regular bar like didn't even know there was a show going on,
0: oh, no. uh.
1: So there was there was maybe like a handful of people that trickled in throughout the night, mm-hmm. and we still played a whole a whole night. Yeah, and uh, but crazy thing, and, like, one of the only people that was in the bar upstairs was Billy Gibbons. Really? Yeah, uh, like, ZZ Top was in town, like, playing a, like, stadium thing, and, like, he was just, like, out on the town that night. Wow. Yeah, so, like, just random shit like that. Yeah, I had
0: Chevy Chase at one of my shows once, that was just, like, oh, okay. I guess Chevy Chase is watching us play rock and
1: roll tonight. (laughs) I mean, pre-COVID, like, uh, just, like, this spring, uh, one of the shows I was working on, Uh like, uh, like Ben Stiller was there one of the nights, that's... and then like the other show I was working like simultaneously, Steve Martin and his like wife and daughter were. Damn, that's that, really that cool. That one, like, hell yeah! It's like, what the fuck is my life? Like, well, yeah. Now,
0: speaking of which, because like we keep getting distracted, but I think this is a great conversation, especially for the people listening that are like musicians or mm-hmm. kind of like wondering what. Like I make the joke I think I did on the Bob and uh, Don. Right. episode about like how we're like the triple a ball of like americana music right just like waiting for like jason isbel to call us call us up to open for him or whatever right. um and but it's like it's really interesting because there's this whole world of people that mm-hmm. i'm kind of getting more and more connected with all around the country i've got and a friend who plays with him actually with uh bob fleming
1: no with uh jason isbel oh well, he, he he's one of the guitar players for amanda shires oh cool which means that he hangs out with jason isbel for like, sure because jason plays, plays with guitar with her all the time yeah, yeah.
0: That's really cool. Um, Just like a a moving to Nashville success story. Oh, okay. But she's from Texas, right? I think she's from like Lubbock or something. Some panhandle area? I I could not
1: know. uh, It's like me and him, like we played in a band together for a brief period and then like he moved to Nashville. Like he's one of the most incredible guitar players I've ever met. Oh, that's... So like he he deserves everything that he's We got to get him
0: on this show maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The... (laughs) that's some but the thing i want to talk about is um you know well one like on that first tour because it was you matt and mark mm-hmm. um it, tight quarters six weeks is a long time um
1: especially for a first try at like totally. a legitimate tour yeah
0: i did like two and a half weeks with my old band and we had like a van with i don't know if we <laughs> had the trailer at that point but you know right. and, like we went all in and like bought all this stuff that we didn't really need but like we also like
1: Made it more comfortable, I'm sure. Yeah, it was it was great. I,
0: I still can't believe that asshole quit the band. But <laughs> um, <laughs> love you, buddy, if you're listening. Um, but like, what did you learn on that tour? What was like, you know, I mean, other than that Billy Gibbons likes to be
1: out on the town in Santa uh, <laughs> Fe the night before he plays. I learned that you don't have the chance on tour to to basically make any connections before you actually play your show. Like if you run into some people around town, like the most, the most you can do to promote yourself, like while you're there is like talk to the checker at the grocery store or something uh-huh. and be like, Hey, we're playing tonight. Like they're not, they're probably not going to care. Totally. They're probably not going to be there. Um, but when they do, it's usually pretty dope. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. there were a few times where like some people we met in town, like actually came. Yeah. And, uh, it's like if you're if you're trying to get if you're trying to promote yourself and you're on the road like already people have the expectation that you're like successful which is yeah kind of funny uh for a lot of totally. us touring people yeah, it's gotta, like yeah, yeah. we like we we made it out of our hometown which totally. it, which takes a lot of which fucking, is a huge feat like, in itself yeah yeah it takes a lot of grit yeah <laughs> for sure just to like even attempt it it takes a lot of grit to be in a rock band more than like two nights, right? And play more than just like the the bar that you go to every day. Uh-huh. Uh, but like the biggest thing I learned is that like that's that's the chance you have to make an impression on these people. Uh-huh. Like maybe you can go back again like next year or like later on in the year and like try it again. But yeah. if you don't give them something to take away from that one performance, then like they'll forget you. Yeah. Like, so like, it's not only about playing like the best damn show you possibly can. It's just being willing to, it takes being a lot more open, like as a person yeah, to actually make like real human connections with the people there. Cause otherwise like you're going to, you're going to have a pretty rough time and like it's like tour depression is a huge thing. Yeah. Like you're, you're not around anything that you're used to. Uh, you're like sleeping in a new place, like waking up in a new place every day. Yeah. You know, like, like everything, like, like people, like, it's amazing how, how much people take for granted, like knowing where the bathroom is. Yeah. It's like shit until like a few years ago, like when, like before Starbucks said that like anyone could come in and use their restroom. Yeah. Like, like that's a game changer for anyone on the road. Totally. But like uh grocery stores like it's it's a toss up whether or not they're even going to have a place to like yeah, <laughs> to go but but yeah, like it's just a lot of like little things about comfort and just uh like things you're used to that as soon as that's taken away, like you just or I would start to think like why am I really doing this? Like what am i trying to accomplish yeah and like what's the end goal here yeah like yeah. do i feel like d- is this worth it uh-huh and uh like by the end of the tour like everyone was frustrated because we were in like a sardine can uh-huh. and uh like personalities don't always mesh together yeah it's like like people don't always vibe with each other and <laughs> for sure for sure and uh <laughs> So like I wish I would have taken that into consideration like before the tour yeah. but like it it makes you grow as a person and uh, like especially as a band leader to like make sure that people don't kill each other for sure and uh to make sure that like even if there is like some shit going on between members that like that's left that's left off stage
0: yeah for and sure and just
1: like cuz people people don't want to see you like bicker they don't want to see like people like just being awkward and just like going through the motions. Well,
0: people don't want to see that if they paid for tickets. Exactly. They sure as hell don't want to see it if they're just there having drinks. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't want to see drama between the band. I paid $20 to see. Yeah. I really don't want to see drama behind the band. I didn't pay shit to see mm-hmm. that just happens to be playing in the corner. You know? Yeah. I mean, I might want to because like I'm a weird anthropologist that likes to be <laughs> like, the fuck's going on there? Who fucked whose wife?" Like, what's, right. you know what I mean? Usually, it's not that. It's like, oh, he he ate my my avocado or some shit. <laughs> oh man. What What did you learn, or what have you learned, um, about being a band leader during like those times? and also just
1: during like i learned that even before making sure everyone gets paid uh just making sure everyone is enjoying what they're doing because Uh like if i'm having those thoughts as a band leader then like chances are they're having those thoughts too totally and like the biggest thing is to make sure that they're not regretting their choices to like be a part of my group and uh like just make sure they're taken care of just like mentally like monetarily yeah and uh that like above all like there's a certain level of friendship that's there sure because like that it goes a long way well because yeah you're taking they're taking time out of their lives Mm -hmm. to
0: support this thing of yours that like they're almost certainly not making as much money as they would have had they stayed home yeah and yeah they're getting to see some cool places but it's a slog being on the road sometimes. Like, there's, there's, it's a roller coaster. The highs are super high and Mm -hmm. fucking just the best. That's what keeps me going. But, like, the lows, every single time I've had to be, like, whoa, dude, like, check myself as far as, like, depression or partying too hard or whatever, partying too Mm -hmm. hard because of depression, like, has been on the road. Or, like, afterwards being, like, when you have Mm -hmm. a moment to be, like, oh, shit, things got kind of hairy there for a second. Yeah. You know, and, and for, as a band leader when it's like my fucking name on the marquee Mm -hmm. and if my like i'm my bass player is going through that shit without even like making very much money it's not fair and like i got to remove my ego from that situation and be like yo dude you okay like Mm -hmm. or the times that i've yeah so many times on tour i've like uh not so many times but you know like i'll i'll say snap at someone or have like a like Mm -hmm a weird confrontation or be upset that like nobody was there to back me up while I got stiffed by the, the right. bar owner and the, the, the bouncer tried to beat me up and I'm like, where the <laughs> fuck are you guys? And I get like super pissed at them cause I'm drunk and I blow up at them. And then the next day I'm like, yo, lunch is on me. Right. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but that's no, that's, it's super legit. So I, I want to talk, was it between like, I want to talk a little bit about, when, like you've told me the story about when you quit your job, like uh, along all this <laughs> time you were uh, working random jobs o- along the way. Yeah, uh, and like catch us up a little bit to like what you were doing with Quiet Morning, like uh, what job you were working as a day job.
1: Leading up to that first tour, I was, I was actually working in a law firm. Okay, so I was uh, like working as like a file clerk and like basic legal assistant uh-huh. type work. And that led into, like, working as a, like, commercial real estate, like, project manager. Okay. <laughs> briefly. So, like, I was making the most money I've ever made in my life. Yeah. And uh, decided I wanted to go on the road. Which, yeah. like, so, like, my my boss was, like, cool enough about it. Like, I had to actually, like, resign instead of, like, just going on leave. Yeah. Uh, so, like, did that. Like. Basically did that, I was one person. Came back from that first tour, and, like, my entire disposition just changed. Yeah. Just, like, in looking back, like, before that first tour, like, I, like, I was kind of a doormat (laughs) with a lot of stuff. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, just with, like, work stuff, with, like, relationships, like, just with so many things that I just lost my tolerance for a lot of bullshit Uh on the first that first tour because like bar owners will try to like fuck you out of a lot yeah um so like
0: not all of them but yeah yeah, there's
1: there's there's snakes in in the grass right know? that's which like that's just it's an occupational hazard even though it shouldn't be but like it is yeah and uh like it's okay, like what, are, what are you going to do like sue someone for like $150 like well when you have to leave the next morning that's what
0: they're full they know that yeah that's why like yeah so certain like, people will take advantage of those
1: situations exactly so like I, I was on the road uh came back and by that point it was like October of 2014 uh-huh. uh I went like maybe a few weeks with a without a job at that point uh-huh. and then decided I would try to like get my job back. And, uh, unfortunately they started me off like lower than I was making when I left uh-huh. and under the kind of guise of like, Oh, well, you know, you've got to work your way back up, which was total bullshit. Yeah. And with the way that like my disposition had changed at that point, I knew it was bullshit at that point. Uh-huh. And like, It just kind of like kind of left me salty like about the whole situation 100% and like I was doing the same job as I was before for less money and also like training someone else to like augment the job or to supplement Uh, and that like the person that was hired was just like totally useless and like wouldn't wouldn't take my notes on anything and uh, like just the communication was just awful and uh like even my boss realized that like something was very different about yeah. me because like I wasted no time before I was like complaining and like basically demanding that like either that person gets fired or like something else happens like they yeah. need to be like fired or like reprimanded or like told that like I am the person they need to be listening to. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, like, I've realized how much that, like, my time is valuable. So, totally. Like, <coughs> <coughs> sorry, no worries. Uh, and so, like, I, I lasted a few more months Yeah. <laughs> while I was there. Uh, yeah, I lasted a few months, and then it just finally... Got to a point where like I, I wasn't happy at all yeah. doing that, and uh, during that time I was playing a lot of solo shows at the same time, so like I was trying to work full time while like playing music full time uh-huh. and just burning the candle on both ends. Totally. And uh, in March of 2015, I was like I played a gig in College Station, which is like a little over an hour from Houston, uh-huh. and like the morning i was coming back i fell asleep while i was driving like essentially drove off a bridge like broke five ribs and like fractured my sternum oh man. Uh, like lucky to be alive totally really uh, that honda fit
2: yeah was and, not alive afterwards
1: yeah and like honestly i i literally think it was my guitar case that kept the car from like flipping and crumbling like on its side really like there's a dent that you can actually see in the guitar from where, like, the, the the handle for the case, like, punctured it. Really? Because, like, it, it's a Roadrunner case, so, like, fucking testament to Roadrunner hard cases. Totally, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was along the back seat laid down. So, like, you can tell, like, that's where the impact hit. And, wow. Like, because, like, when the, like, emergency people came, like, the car was on its side. And, like, the car was on its side and, like, a, a, like it was a low creek uh, but like the fact that like a, I didn't drown in like a few inches of water because I was unconscious, yeah, is like fucking lucky, yeah, so like app like that's that's what really pushed me into like being a full-time artist, so you so. didn't find Jesus after your car wreck, no <laughs> no, not <laughs> at all
0: um, uh, but okay, so that that was kind of the what the incident that or that led to you going full time, or
1: it was a com- yeah, it was a combination of uh, like the doctor said that like I needed to like take some time off to begin with yeah, um, and then by the time they said I was eligible to like go back to work on like light duty, like it may not seem like it, but like even like the simple tasks of like reaching above my head to like put files on a shelf. Yeah. Like doing it like for eight hours a day would it like, it would be so painful. Yeah. And uh like that combined with the fact that like I wasn't happy anyway. Uh Like why am I literally going to beat myself up to like be depressed? And to work at this job that they already are paying me less than I know I'm worth. Exactly. So like, I like maybe two three weeks after th- the accident. Like I wrote my first song again, uh-huh. Uh and like it was a song about the accident. Yeah. Uh, it's actually never been released. It's a song called Grassy Creek. Well, you gotta get uh, it done. I, I think I think I played it on uh KRCL. Okay. Is that is that what it is? The, KRCL in Salt Lake. Yeah. 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 On on, Ch- on Lee's show. Nice. Uh, yeah. So that's like. One of the only times it's ever been played, really, yeah uh, but yeah, like from there i like i I finally understood that if I don't like if I have something else to fall back on, uh-huh. I don't try, yeah, like i i can I can be comfortable doing other stuff, yeah, but totally. I won't be happy. Yeah. so like like I realized that, like I hustle my ass off if i need to play music to survive
0: yeah totally so <laughs> that's uh something i've like i've for so many years been like when does someone decide to just be a full-time artist what does that mm-hmm. look like um and like i kind of had the rug pulled out from under me because i got fired mm-hmm. um from my bar job that yeah. i was like i'm gonna work at this job until i don't have to anymore or until <laughs> i leave new york because it's just like the it's like one of you know bar jobs just come with a lot of bullshit it's like this one seems to have the least amount of it so i'm going to try and last here as long as i can and uh that didn't work out i ended up getting fired from there but then like three weeks later everybody on the planet got (laughs) fired yep like every bartender in america or at least in new york city Mm -hmm. got fired three weeks later and i'm just like oh okay maybe this is like it's all just like a (laughs) sign that like I i like to say i'm retired from bartending now right and i'm like I do some carpentry stuff still because I can't play live shows, but mm-hmm. I'm like, the second I can start back to playing and it's like, mm-hmm. I think, it, I wish five years ago I had just been like, I'm just gonna play music and yeah. figure it out. Cause, and like, I mean, there's there's ways to take a calculated risk and there's also ways to like be an idiot, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I, I don't know, and like what you said about your job like making you come back at less money, Mm -hmm. even though they rehired you like to some people that makes a lot of sense. But to me, I'm like, I'm also like, that's just further proof that like our society does not give a fuck about the arts. Exactly. It's like, Oh yeah. You want to go chase your dream for six Mm -hmm. weeks? Well, fuck you for doing that because I never got to. Yeah. And, or because my dream was always to be like a fucking lawyer. Yeah. And, and uh, now I'm going to punish you because you did that Mm -hmm. because you chased
1: your dreams and you crawled back. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, like, after after the accident, I realized, like, I have a lot more ways that I can make money if I don't have to worry about, like, what time I have to wake up in the morning. Yeah, totally. So, like, I played... If I don't my, have to uh...
0: spend 40 hours at an office that I really do, like, 22 hours of work yeah. a week at, <laughs> but I have to spend 40 hours there every yeah. week. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So then, like, I, that's when I got really into, like playing like in the orchestras for musical theater stuff Uh uh-huh it's like in from that point on i was playing i was drumming for at least like five like five musicals a year Mm -hmm. which like did it pretty much took care of all my bills yeah and then there was a short period where i decided to like work at a grocery store again Mm -hmm. but again like I can't, I'm not good at having a boss yeah. anymore. Yeah, and like I. I realized that, and like everything is just frustrating. Mm-hmm. And like I distinctly remember going in one shift and like realizing I didn't want to be there. Yeah, I was halfway through the parking lot and like I turned around, went back home, and booked like seven shows. Yeah, you told me about so, this you told me the story. At some
0: point you said you were like I was in the parking lot on my way to my shift and I turned around, got in my car, called them and said, I'm not coming in today mm-hmm. and then went home and booked a bunch of shows. Yeah. And like to me, I, I remember you told me that like years ago mm-hmm. and it blew my mind. I also was in New York City at this point where like right. the stakes are much higher. Yeah, because you know? yeah. like you live here now, it's like shit's expensive. Mm-hmm. Everything's just so expensive. Right. And so like the idea of quitting the day job is that much more or can be that much more intimidating mm-hmm. but it's really just like no you, no matter where you live you quit the day job and then you struggle for three to six months to a year right until
1: it's all like oh, i got this figured out mm-hmm. like you know what i mean and it's all it's uh, yeah but like somehow i felt like i had <laughs> i had a better grasp on my financial situation like after quitting a full-time job at yeah. that point and like like, I was living in, like, a little studio apartment, like, in, uh, like, downtown Houston. And, uh, like, my rent wasn't crazy. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was lucky. But, like, the fact that I was making, mu- like, I was making a living as a drummer mm-hmm. and, uh, like, playing musical theater stuff and then, like, getting my name out there as a drummer and as a, like, I was playing quiet morning shows. Yeah. And, uh, like, doing full band stuff with that. So, like, doing musical theater, like, most of the time playing gigs when I didn't have those shows, uh, like, playing gigs, like, during weekdays and stuff, like, weeknights, and then, uh, like, writing a new album, Mm -hmm. doing that stuff, and then from there, I, like, started, like, I got an opportunity to be a music director for uh, a musical theater show. Yeah. Like, I did my first one, and then, like, the second show I ever music directed was for, like, the, it was for, uh, like, the youth aspect of like the biggest production house in houston that's so rad so like like my second music directing (laughs) job was at the hobby center that's uh, so dope yeah it was like and it was fucking like green day's american idiot like (laughs) really and uh like i I had a name for a little bit like just being the go-to music director for like the rock musicals cool it's like i did like I did Rock of Ages, Heather's, um, American Idiot, Hedwig yeah. and the Angry Inch, which I did twice. All great shows. Uh, yeah. And then after that, I like realized that that was the pinnacle of what I felt I wanted to do in Houston. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I was playing a lot more with uh, Quiet Morning and the Calamity, mm-hmm. but doing a lot more like three, four hour gigs. Yeah. Uh, which was great because like I was able to pay all my guys. Yeah. Like pay all my musicians and like pay myself. And like our bar tab wasn't more than like we were getting paid, which was like, yeah. a huge welcome change.
0: Which feels great.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so like it, it, it was just this, it's, it's been so freeing. Like, uh-huh. like it's stressful as fuck with like finances, of course, like being an artist full time, but uh because like sometimes like I definitely had to choose between putting gas in the car and eating yeah uh but like at the same time I would also never trade that for what I used to have totally like no amount of comfort is ever gonna feel worth it if I'm miserable
0: yeah totally that's um
1: there's it's so true and that's uh
0: something that's like becoming more and more apparent as, as like we f- get further and further into late stage capitalism, uh, mm-hmm. is that we're, uh let's make it political Chuck. Uh No, <laughs> but like, it's like, I, I didn't come from money. My family never really had it. Um mm-hmm. My stepdad had a great, uh a great job for a lot of years where we got great, like health insurance and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how my mom could put braces on all of his kids and, you know, shit like yeah. that. But it was like a super blue collar, um, and that was something that was offered along with the job was like all these benefits and things like that mm-hmm. i've and like those are shrinking even with like yeah. a lot of jobs like the and and like as, industry jobs are like they're few and far between now totally and i'm and it's like i didn't study like computer programming i yeah. like there's so many <laughs> jobs that i'm just like i like i can't do i'm in this like mm-hmm. weird in between um, generation of like like I can swing a hammer, but like those jobs don't come with benefits, mm-hmm. yeah the,
1: the days of like working the Springsteen song jobs like are gone, yeah, totally it's like that you can't like just go work down at the factory, you can't like
0: yeah, so I mean, and some people can and there are unions and stuff like that right. where like it is, but like they're shrinking mm-hmm. and and me looking around at a certain point and just being like, okay, I'm never probably going to be able to have health insurance unless the government starts stepping in and doing you know like mm-hmm. unless the government start like the way i see it is like on november 3rd or 4th or 5th whenever we get right. the re- election results it's like oh, okay so if donald trump wins again i just get to keep leaning hard into like fuck it all i'm going <laughs> to live the best life i can and have right. you know and like and try and stop oppression where i can but mm-hmm. like like really like oh the government's never going to help me out again after this pandemic's right. over you know what i mean and they've already helped me out more than i ever
1: expected them to and then there's, like... Against their, like, hardest wishes.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, they were supposed to pass a second stimulus in August. What is yep. it now? October? And now we're not going to see it till after the election?
1: Yeah, but we're going to confirm, like, someone uh, who doesn't belong on the Supreme Court. Yeah, it's it's very apparent just... that they don't give a fuck
0: about us. Oh, no. Like, not at all. But it's like, okay, then even if Joe Biden wins, then it's like, oh, then we're on the path to where, like, maybe I'll get those things again. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to just keep living... <laughs> my life you yeah. know what I mean and it's it's just I don't know when you finally accept like oh, I'm probably never gonna be rich mm-hmm. that's okay yeah and I'm probably never gonna have this like picket fence American family typical life mm-hmm. that like my parents were trying to provide and struggling and working their asses off for an entire lifetime just to have it like all pulled out from underneath them so like yeah. why the fuck wouldn't I just make music Exactly. You know what I mean? Like why the fuck it's stressful, yeah, but like mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't see the benefit in any of the other shit. And yeah. uh,
1: like like Bob and like the that other episode, like he like he pinpointed it with like being broke on my own terms. Yes. Like totally. <laughs> I heard that and I was like, "Holy shit, like that's
0: Cuz like the system's just, set beautiful. up it's the system's not set up for you to get rich. And if you think yeah. that you're going to get rich and that's why Rich people deserve tax breaks. You're a
1: fucking moron. You get rich if you're starting rich. Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> and so it's like, well, I'm going to be broke. Might as well do it fucking driving around in vans and like playing shows to people because that's what I love to do. And if yeah. I ever n- stop loving doing that, then I'll figure out what that next thing is.
1: Yeah. Like even as a theater artist, like I still travel. Like I'm still yeah. on the road doing that. Like uh, the next foreseeable like sound design gig that I have is like in April in DC. So yeah, cool. So, like I, I travel, like I still travel all over. Like at the beginning of the year, I was in Houston, like uh-huh. working at a, working at a theater down there for a month. Yeah. And then like I was in Nantucket, like before that, like I, I've been spending at least like four months out of the year in Nantucket, like sound yeah. designing and sound engineering. And it's, it's just like a part of my musician life that I really missed. Because, like, there's, like, nothing comes close to, like, just being able to be on the road doing something you love. Totally. And, like, it's a different thing that I love. Uh-huh. Like Like, ending up in the sound world was not where I thought I'd end up. And, like, I'm in an even further place now yeah. than I thought I would be, totally. uh, like, at the beginning of the year. <clears throat> like, I've sure. like, had to dive a lot more into, like, post-production and just, like, just audio editing. Bad. And, yeah. like, I... I I wrote a an audio drama. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that's like a that's almost done with its first season uh-huh. now. Like the end of the first season actually drops like immediately after the election, which like that could really change the tone of <laughs> season two. Totally, uh, yeah. Um, and that okay. that was something I wanted to get mm-hmm.
0: at is tell us a little bit about This American Wasteland. Um, like give give the listeners like a little or what to expect of that and how they could check it out so
1: uh the short version is kind of a hypothetical what if not to like say party lines specifically Mm -hmm. but what if the democrat like people in office like just allowed the republican people and like the current administration and their like supporters to do what they wanted only, oh, that like, okay, yeah. Uh, so, it's, it's very like it. It's a parallel to like, the situation that we're currently in. Uh-huh. As but it's as if. Things were allowed to get worse, before yeah. like there were no checks a lot and of be- balances yeah, or whatever. Exactly. So like, even in the show, like the uh. The U.S. is. Much like it is now, uh, just kind of the dumpster fire, like, reality TV show that the rest of the world is watching. Uh-huh. And, uh, like, just in a matter of months, uh, like, the first episode takes place 100 days after, like, basically the start of a pandemic. Uh, okay. So, uh, it's told from the perspective of the main character, and, like, everything is... It's kind of like in the movie Cloverfield, gotcha. how like it's archival footage that's found, like you don't know who found it or like how you're seeing this, but it's all done via like the main character's recordings and mm-hmm. uh, like via like a recording setup like this or yeah. like a tape recorder, yeah. and uh, like everything that happens is because he has charged himself with being the person to like to chronicle this. Oh cool. So it's literally like it's a first-hand account of like surviving a post-apocalypse. Don't. And like the the biggest silver lining is like it's a post-Trump society. Nice. Because in that universe he probably died. Oh good. So uh good good good. I'm yeah. glad he did it in one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh the other side of that coin is that because the government is essentially like just Fallen, like his supporters and like the people who, like, were going around like intimidating, like, and like showing up like with like automatic rifles and shit uh-huh. to like the like city halls and like and government buildings uh-huh. and stuff. Like, like, like the
0: assholes that were trying to kidnap the governor of Michigan. Exactly. Yeah, the wolves. Yeah, you know, like these
1: like bullshit militias. Like, how dare you and... ruin Red Dawn? Yeah. So those Wolverines uh, were fighting
0: fascists, <laughs> you I mean I guess communists. Uh, right.
1: Yeah, damn it. <laughs> but but yeah, like they uh they've more or less taken over. Yeah. And like the regular people who just want to survive are like like it it's not a show about like fighting the bad guys. Uh huh. It's a show about people maintaining their humanity in spite of people that want to do them harm Uh for not wanting to like believe the same shit that they do. Oh, wow. So it's like, it's basically the whole like QAnon, like, uh, like, uh, like Alex Jones conspiracy theory, like Mm -hmm. Rush Limbaugh toting, like just like these people who believe like conspiracy theories and like, yeah. Uh, and it's just like the far right, uh, like intimidation tactics and like they're patrol.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Morons and fascists. Yeah.
1: Uh, They're just patrolling, kidnapping and like wanting to kill the people that disagree with them. And like in the show, they're called the horde. Okay, Uh, And then like all the other survivors, they don't have a specific name because they're just, they're just people. People. Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's actually a line in the show where, uh, like, the main character keeps asking, like, he's asking everyone trying to get a straight answer, like, why why doesn't anyone try to fight them? It's like, we're not fighters, we're just normal people who made a choice to not be shitty. Mm. And that's literally all it is. It's, yeah. like, people with empathy. Yeah. And then people who want to do them harm. Okay. And it's, like, a really, really sad, depressing mirror to our current situation yeah but the biggest difference is the show like i finished writing the first season before uh-huh. like even before like uh the protests like or it was like right when like all of the protests started Oh, really? this year so like the first season was finished around like beginning of may okay so like the whole like racial justice and like like striving for that change. Yeah. doesn't even come into play because it's like I'm I'm thankful that <laughs> I finished writing the first season at that point. So like the trajectory of the show from then is literally just able to follow like this other hypothetical. Yeah. and and not like the So in that way it's kind of a refreshing change of pace from real life. Yeah. uh which like I when i finished writing it i actually thought it was i I thought it was like crazy and like i thought it was so far-fetched and like hyperbolic yeah even that like there's no way like things could ever get this bad and then things got worse
0: totally and uh you should uh um should listen to for inspiration this podcast called it could happen here it's like a podcast series
1: that sounds devastating (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's because it's actually a playoff of a title that was like about the Nazis and it was like, it, it could not, it couldn't uh-huh. happen here, you know, or something like that. That was like the original title, but this is about Robert Evans, who's one of my favorite. Yeah, yeah. You you're familiar with him? Uh-huh. Uh, his whole thing is, it's just like, this is what uh, a modern civil war in the US would look like. And mm-hmm. this is, um, and I've watched civil wars break out in the Middle East in countries that I've been like reporting on. Yeah. And he's like, it could happen here, you know, yep. and like shit, a lot of shit. Cause this was over a year ago that I think he released that podcast and like shit's just gotten worse. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. I unfortunately haven't been able to check out this American wasteland very much yet. So All good. I'm going to be on top it, it's, of that. It's here. not going anywhere. Well, that's uh. what's <laughs> cool about like, sometimes I like to wait until like a season's done for a show like that. Mm-hmm. That way I can binge it yeah because which, like waiting a week just drives me fucking crazy
1: which luckily the uh <laughs> like the episodes are they're all under about 20 minutes Oh, that's so, so
0: it's like which so you wash a lot the of, dishes and you can listen to an episode
1: yeah like which a lot of people have given me the feedback that like they're really glad that the episodes are so, so short uh-huh because they couldn't handle more than oh cool. that amount of time like just and it's like hearing stuff like that that i'm like okay maybe this isn't like as tame as i thought it was now because like it's it's literally what could happen tomorrow
0: totally that's that sounds really interesting i Mm. i really want to uh talk with you more about that stuff but i want to listen to the show (laughs) so this i mean we'll have you back on for sure and i i think uh um yeah i mean like uh, so much of what i'm doing with this podcast is still kind of getting figured out mm-hmm. that's why like last week i didn't even have a guest because i'm just like i don't, i got other shit i'm worried about <laughs> you know and right and uh but so much of it's about like w- wanting to f- these little different things that people do to like um to like what is a career as an as an artist what mm-hmm. is like I, I remember having this conversation with my brother a while back that it's like because you know he's a writer and a filmmaker mm-hmm. He's like I just don't know what I want my first like big project to be and I'm like dude it's not about the thing I get it like my yeah. first record I thought that's what it was uh-huh. and it's like some people's first records are so good mine wasn't it was good <laughs> I'm really happy with it like it was really cool that I made that at twenty three
1: it so the one with the like old. the red hoodie uh uh-huh. it's, yeah.
0: it's a great record yeah it's my first LP and like we did some really cool it's like fucking cool but it's also mm-hmm. like if I had defined myself back then by that record and its success, Mm -hmm. I would have quit, you know, except I was chasing like this thing of keep trying, like getting that sound, getting the thing. And and now I realize it's like, oh, my, the, the true work of art is my entire career Mm -hmm. is like how you figure out how to, against all odds, against capitalism and against this Mm -hmm. society that doesn't value the life of like a poet or an artist or a, like, doesn't value what we do. Like, mm-hmm. music doesn't... I gotta pay a fucking publicist $2,500 to pitch my records to people who probably won't even write about it. Yeah. But nobody has to pay me for my songs. Right. You know what I mean? It's it's like, th- it's all set up against us. Mm-hmm. But this podcast is about, like, how do you, against all odds, make a career in the arts? Or on yeah. the road? Or, you know what I mean? And so, I don't know, I'd love to talk to you more about about...
1: Like, I... I think the shortest answer that I've discovered when like people ask me why I still do what I do mm-hmm. is like it's literally because I've tried everything else uh-huh. like I've worked so many random jobs like I've worked on Same. assembly lines, like building like machines like i've I've worked in corporate America I've worked in grocery stores I've worked like regular retail like like I've worked construction stuff yeah. like i've I've done everything I could possibly do. Mm-hmm and nothing else made sense
0: yeah so it's I mean I've said it on here Mm -hmm. before and I wasn't even the first person to say this but it's like if you can do anything else but a life in the arts do that yeah but if you can't do anything else then like lean into it and make a beautiful life out of it yeah you know and that's kind of what I'm heading for and that's why Mm -hmm. you're on the show and that's why I interview other people yeah
1: I, I think it was a was either brian or casey who like were the first ones to like mention like life rewards the risk taker (laughs) yeah that's casey yeah
0: yeah yeah casey is oh man he's a great great person (laughs) great conversations with that guy it was an excellent
1: like philosophical episode (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's what what's funny is like we had our little foray into religion today and like mm-hmm. you know what I mean I'm I'm trying to figure out more like without being like these are the 10 questions I ask every guest. Right. You know like um if you were a food
1: what would you be <laughs>
0: totally I'm, it's like and I'm still figuring out the ways that like what what it means to be a host what it means to like mm-hmm. interview someone. I'm I'm very new to this and so um but the ones like uh, like the one with Genevieve, we recorded that in my room, so yeah. like face to face. Like this feels like a conversation. Over, exactly over the internet, it's sometimes, especially with someone I don't know. Uh uh-huh. It's sometimes like, oh, how do I keep this ball rolling? Like, what? <laughs> uh, you know. So this was this has been a great talk. I'm, yeah. I'm likewise. super stoked on it. Can you tell tell the folks how to
1: support everything that you're doing? So the easiest way to find access to everything that I do is uh, at srsounddesign.com. uh that's where you'll find stuff about quiet morning and the calamity stuff about this american wasteland uh stuff about the like theater work that i do um I've, there's like a portfolio on there if you want to like listen to anything and be like this is bullshit <laughs> and like tell me um that kind of encouraged... or tell them how much you love it or yeah that you know positive feedback is yeah. also great uh <laughs> But if you want specifically stuff about Quiet Morning and the Calamity, uh you can find us on Bandcamp. Uh however you search for things on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the link. I usually have to look it up every time. Yeah. Uh there's music on there to buy. There's music on there just to listen to. It doesn't matter. You can find the E P on Spotify. Uh mm-hmm. E P was called Son of the Sad Soul. Um and if you want to listen to This American Wasteland, it is totally free. Uh, and you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, and I'm sure like everyone knows that reviews and ratings feel a little silly, but they are extremely helpful yeah. in getting recognition and just getting the shows... Uh, higher up on lists totally. basically, which means that more people listen and more visibility. We will have to ask less yeah. about people rating and reviewing the show. Totally. So uh yeah, that's easiest way. Like Google search bar can do wonders for Sean finding Ramos, things. SR sound sound design.
0: Yes. Sean Ramos Design dot com. But just SR. Yeah. Um cool well thanks so much for coming on Sean or for having me in your apartment to record my <laughs> podcast uh, we didn't fully mention Sean also does the editing sound editing on this podcast uh, yes. that's something that he does very well and he's uh, he, um, you know, this, this year COVID has been really hard for all of us in the live industry mm-hmm. so if you have any sound work or anything you need send it his way or at least go to his website and check out a way to contact him see if he's the right fit for your project
1: yeah i believe there's actually a link on there that says hire. (laughs) oh nice so cool uh,
0: yeah um thanks again for being on here my name is chuck uh charles ellsworth those of you that are still listening and you don't know who i am uh thank you for being here i don't know who you are but please (laughs) slide into my dms and tell me who you are because i'd love to know if someone i don't know is still listening to an episode this long exactly (laughs) Uh, but uh you can find me at uh, com. You can find me on all of the streaming services if you want to listen to my music, just Charles Ellsworth. Also, I have an instrumental project called AB Chediski. That's uh, A period, B period, C-H-E-D-I-S-K-I. Um, and those streams, every stream helps. It all adds up to the, I call them these micro incomes, all mm-hmm. these different random things that... Uh, Kind of add up to making a living and that's kind of like what the modern artist is all about. And so this show, if you could leave us a review or you know rate it in the iTunes app, that makes a big difference. I also have a patreon patreon.com forward slash Charles Ellsworth some a great way if you want to just toss in a couple bucks each month to help me keep the lights on and keep creating new stuff. Um, last but not least, which I probably mentioned at the top of the show, I have a new single out off of a new record. Um, haven't announced the new record yet, but that'll be coming soon. The single's called Blessed. Great and, song. Thank you very much. It's uh, kind of the only protest song or like full-on protest song I've ever like written and recorded, and I think it's uh, really relevant to what's going on right now. And I, I would really love it if you'd listen to it, especially if you're on Spotify. Please follow me and save the song to your library. I'm trying to land one of these new songs on a Spotify playlist so I can eat it next year (laughs) Uh, so all of that stuff really helps but thanks so much for listening to the show thank you sean for being on yeah thanks and uh y'all have some safe travels on down down whatever road you're on (laughs) still figuring out a tagline (laughs) (laughs) y'all take care